0: welcome to beer cake. It's a podcast, not about beer, not about cake, but could be. Today, it's going to be about music. And with my special guest, Andrew Choi. Um, Actually, do you you go by Andrew Choi? Or do you go by St. Lennox? Like,
1: oh, um...
0: like if you were being introduced as a musical artist? Oh, St. Lennox. Okay, yes. Uh, Saint Lennox, um, that that's your stage name, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it it was intended as a band name, but it's just me, so
0: it's a band of one.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you there's there's the saying one man band, so that's totally legit.
0: Uh, and in your case, I actually I think that's um, a very apt description because you produce your own stuff too.
2: Yeah, right. yeah,
0: yeah. You do all I, your. Fun.
1: I well, I I have had like a a musician that has added like a, like an instrumental portion to like one song on each of the the first two records. Not the last one. The last one was all me. But uh, yeah, other than that, it's 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 me doing everything.
0: So are you playing all the instruments yourself or are you using, um, uh,
1: samples? Uh, some of it's a mix of samples and just programming stuff. Some of the samples, well, a lot of the samples are me, but then I will do stuff with the samples to, to kind of morph it into whatever I want it to do Mm -hmm. within, within, within reason. Um, But yeah, well, it's 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 still me, so sometimes I'll take samples from like, you know, out there, out there in the world, I'll I'll get a sample and I'll try and do something with it, but. Still, mostly just me, you know, sampling sampling is it's it's a lot easier for me to sample myself and then then have it do something than actually playing it myself because, you know, I can play guitar. I'm just not amazing at it. So if I just do like, ber, 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 just once, and then just <laughs> copy paste it, that's like that's a lot. It's a lot easier than me like trying to try to play that you know eight times in a row perfectly. So. Right.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, in my case, uh, I play the guitar. That I mean, I play. I write my songs on my guitar, but when it comes to recording, I actually hire a guitarist
2: uh, mm.
0: to do that because I can't. You know do it perfectly like for the entire song
1: yeah yeah no that requires a lot of practice i mean and thank god somebody else has done that
0: (laughs) (laughs) um practice also um like my repertoire on the guitar is very limited you know like I can strum a couple of different styles, um, pick a couple of different styles and that's about it. But Uh you know, the guitarist I I work with, um, he's amazing. You know, he can do any style, all styles. Uh, I mean, he studied guitar. So, um, I mean, he does it professionally. So, yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, so, I mean, I I say this as somebody who, (laughs) I guess, ironically, Has had uh, a a lot of experience playing instruments in in the past. Is that you? Like a lot of people think that the the way to pick up an instrument is to just you know practice like six hours a day, something along those lines. But it turns out, like when when I when I was um, growing up as as a concert violinist, uh, I actually oh this is terrible i only practice like i mean it's still a lot maybe about one and a half to two hours a day Uh and then the other kids were practicing like six hours a day um but the secret is that (laughs) the secret is that you play for like concentrate really hard and play for 15 minutes and then just take a nap and then uh-huh. just come back, and then you know, then try it again. And when you try it again, it will be like, oh, it's so much easier now. And then do it again, and then like take another nap. And then you know, whatever. It's like come back the next day, and then it all it all sink into your brain.
0: That that's interesting. Uh, I noticed that actually that um, with anything, you know, because I I also write stuff, and so when you're trying to write something, when you're trying to learn something, and you're staring at it. For hours and hours and you know it's, you're just not progressing when you step away for a little bit and then come back it somehow refreshes your brain i think
1: right
2: yeah well i,
0: I
1: mean the the thing is is that so much of what people do is not conscious mm-hmm. you know like uh, we're ha- we're having this conversation but you know I, i'm not thinking about all of the the words that are coming out of my mouth as I'm saying them. And if I was if I was to try, it would be really it would be really difficult. But we, we don't we don't really act that way. So you know y- you have you have to understand that when when you're learning anything that so much of what's happening is subconscious.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You, you see, I mean I, I know that that's probably like a technical term and so I mean it in the very non-technical way but because so much of it is subconscious you know you you have to understand that and you have to really just learn how your brain works so like when i was a kid i i mean i i was i was noticing this and it was just a lot easier for me to learn by <laughs> by taking a lot of naps
0: ah yeah um, wow uh that's that's um that's pretty cool actually yeah um uh, so yeah um Let's talk about your background a little bit. You you are a trained musician. You went to school
1: specifically for
0: music, for, for
1: yeah. I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't go to. I didn't go to college for music. Hmm. Um, I mean, most of my music training was in. Um, I guess I started playing the violin when I was about six and a half. Actually, when you say about and then say six and a half, it's. So when I was six and a half. <laughs> Um, and then,
0: uh, <laughs> that's okay. I'm not, I'm not about, testing you about, for grammar.
1: <laughs> about six, about six years and three months and 20 and, days. Yeah. About. There you go. Um, <laughs> uh, Park. So, uh, uh, yeah, so I, 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 started then and then, you know, uh, played until basically until college. And then I stopped as soon as I got into college. I mean, I, I did, I did a little bit more, but not really um <clears throat> and <clears throat> um yeah and and, and with the i guess my training was that you know like i, I had a dedicated violin teacher in, in ames iowa where i sort of grew up for the most part uh, but then because i was showing some promise um my my mom drove, uh, moved with me to Cincinnati, Ohio to take violin lessons at the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music uh, for two years, which was a middle school, because I was, I mean, I, I, I was very good. And then um, after that became, actually none, none of this makes sense in my head when I sort of explain it. It was, it was, it was in, it was infeasible, but for family reasons, sort of, we, we needed to sort of move back, mm. back together. So, I moved back to Ames, sort of had the family together, and then my freshman year of high school, um, I, uh, so I went to Juilliard on the weekends uh, to go to the, their pre-college program. Sort of operates on the weekends. Um, so when you were
0: in high school, you were in New York?
1: No, I was in Iowa.
0: So you flew to New York every weekend. <laughs>
1: <Yes>. Wow. <laughs> and then uh, and then that was kind of a drag. although I got I got so many frequent flyer miles out of that, but I never I never used them. I don't, I don't think, I don't think I still have them though. I wish they like accrued interest and then it like, turns out I've got millions of hours. That's not, that's not what happened. Um, So so then uh, the next, none of this makes any sense. Then the next year um, I went to take uh, violin lessons at the Royal Conservatory of Music in Toronto Um, and then you know then that you know that was interesting and then uh I came back to um came back to Ames Iowa uh and then you know finished out my high school years did strangely did like a number of competitions then which which I won the uh in sophomore and junior years um of high school really just like you know playing in learning on my own so with my original teacher
3: who
4: mm-hmm.
1: was there but then doing that but then but but then when I uh I uh, I applied you know I applied to college um I I got into Princeton and then my the, the the conductor of the orchestra I think I think I think I was a bit of a tease about it because I I don't, I don't know what I put in my application. You know, I put, you know, oh, you know, I won all these awards, yada, 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 for the violin. So I I. I think my application was a bit of a tease because the orchestra, as soon as it's like, I. I remember like within like hours of my moving into my dorm room, I got a call from the orchestra conductor who was like excited for me to like be in the orchestra. And I was just like, no, no, thanks.
3: What? <laughs> Why?
1: <laughs> well, because I, I didn't really want to do the violin anymore.
4: Ah. It, was, it
1: was just it it just it got me into college. I with, see. With kind ki, I mean, I didn't lie in my application. I wasn't like, yes, you know, I'm gonna join the orchestra. I, I don't know how you seductively say that, but that's <laughs> I, I think that's that's what I did with my application. <laughs> <laughs> <Lizzie>. Well sorry
0: <laughs> that that's that's not as bad as you you put it out to be um so I mean you used what you had like all, all of your um I mean you cited your musical acumen your the accolades and all that
1: stuff to get into college which is legitimate and I yeah. and I, I will tell you I deserved it because so <laughs> but you deserve what? I, I deserve to get in Oh, okay because like, yeah. here, here, here's the thing. Um, <laughs> none of this makes any sense okay so I was not in the top 20 percent of my high school class okay now some some of that you know i I, I was a very smart kid the, the thing is is that much of that though is because you know like all the other students were like oh you know I'm gonna take all these like five you know AP courses that you know when you're at least back in the day in high school i don't know how this works now you know you take certain classes and like if you get an a what would be a 4.0 is like a 5.0 you know, you know what i'm talking about really okay yeah there's yeah. like there's like a whole like great grading system where like if you take the more advanced class, it like it increases your gpa so um i all the oh, I, see, I
0: see i yeah. see yes 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 i have heard um yeah. yeah. But... So
1: all, all these other kids were doing all that stuff. And I was just like, look, you know, I just, I just want to learn things and whatever.
0: Yeah. And,
1: um, so I was not in, I was not even in the top 20% of my class got in. Uh, and then, so here's what happened though. So at Princeton, my first year I was in the bottom 15% of my class at Princeton. I looked this up many years later and was like, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> That's, what? It's not good. But I ended up, um, I think I, I was in the either the top, top 10 or top 15% of my class by the end of Princeton. So I was like, you know what? And and if I hadn't, you know, needed that learning curve, which I should blame my high school for, right? That's, that's really their fault. <laughs> but, but, you know, it, w- without that, I would have been like even higher, but I'm just like, look, you know, I was not necessarily like in the, what would be the top expected tier of people graduating from Princeton. But I ended up there and it's because I did deserve it because I was a good student.
0: Okay. So um, <laughs> so in high school, you chose not to take all these fancy AP AP classes. Oh
1: y- you know what though? yeah one I-, I will tell you this there's some there were some AP classes and, and I take so much offense to this because I'm a, I consider myself a writer like the, the people have lots of good things to say about my writing, but the, they <laughs> they told me I don't know when this decision was made, but they they were like, oh no, you shouldn't be in AP English, you should be in the regular English class because yada, yada, yada something something something. I think my mom complained I see I see seem to hear this commonly from high school administrators or teachers uh them telling asian kids well oh you know you you can't be like good at everything and i'm like no oh i should have been in the ap english class but for some reason they like put me in the lower class which means of course as we just explained means i don't get that extra gpa bump from the class right but um yeah. Really,
0: you you hear that. Um I don't I mean, I, I'm not exactly all that connected to the education community or anything. Or or parents for that matter. <laughs> but well, that, I, th- I think that that but that, does that happen you think that happens across the board or where you go? I think up? that
1: I think that happens a lot. I think I think there's I think there's um <laughs> what would you call it? Uh uh, boiling undercurrent of white resentment at seeing a minority do well at things. Mm. That's, that's, that's a thing. That's, that's a thing. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I seem to remember hearing that and I seem to remember my mom telling me, telling me that it's weird, mm. but uh, um yeah, no, they had they had decided that I I was I was not good enough at English. <laughs> and then eventually I proved myself good enough at English to to be to be in the advanced class. I think yeah. that was the only AP class that I took. Oh, and I took AP Western Civ, I remember that. But other than that, you know, all the other kids were like, "Oh, you know, I took like AP pottery and you know AP phys ed and you know they got they got their GPA bumped up and I was there, just like that's that's bullshit.
0: There, there are such things as AP pottery or you just you know no no I'm just, up. Okay, just okay yeah. That up. Yeah, yeah, yeah but they,
1: they were they were just like hey let me let me game the system and get as many AP classes to yeah. even though you know
0: I mean, I don't know. I mean, if there are AP classes offered and you want to take them, I don't see a reason why. I
2: shouldn't. don't think they
0: wanted to
1: take them. I think they wanted to game the system. <laughs> and, well, and, yeah. and on top of that, I guess, reflecting on my own experience, they had a system of making those AP classes only available to certain people Right. by That's, saying... Yeah. Oh, it's like, oh, you know, you don't even I think you're not good at English for some reason that, you know, I've never met you. But, you know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that that would be the unfairness is if they if they promote AP classes or make um, AP classes available to only certain types of students and not others, then that's unfair. But if the students themselves, they want to take, you know, whatever AP classes so that they could get every advantage to going to. college of their choice, by all means. But but I think what you're saying is that the administrators, they have, um, you know, they make certain opportunities available to certain students and not others.
1: Well, and especially if, if somebody's saying something, and I, I really do think that the reasons were, were, were race oriented, when, when they say certain things like, oh, you know, he can't be good at everything, then it's, but why it's, not? <laughs> it's like um I actually I you know, have of, a two course, things. of course of uh, course they, they let me take the advanced math class. Right
0: exactly because that fits <laughs> into your stereotype. I was gonna say because you said you only took you only took AP English and I was like what you didn't take AP math or AP science. <laughs> well I d
1: I don't think they I they they didn't they didn't call it an AP class you would just take the next higher-up class. So, like, I think towards the end, I was taking calculus. Right. But they don't call it, I don't think that they call it, or at least in Iowa, they didn't call it AP math, or it was just you were taking calculus. And you were
0: taking calculus, if, yeah. Yeah, if
1: you needed to go to, like, the other building or whatever to take the course with, the you know, other students, then that's that's what you did. But it's, yeah. it's not, like... Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know if they had a grade bump
0: for that, but um, yeah. yeah, we. I I didn't have grade bumps in my uh, high school. Um, I took I took um, one AP class, AP Biology. I think that that may be the only AP class I took. Maybe AP Chem too. I'm not sure. And I took calculus, but I don't. I don't think I got bumps. You know, but mm. my high school actually had a relationship with a local college. Um, and um, so if you took calculus, um, they taught it at the college level. So we actually got college credits. So I went into college with, uh, with um, um, was it eight credits, like four a semester? Uh, eight credits of math, which fulfilled my math requirement for college. So oh. my, my math education stopped at high school. Oh, my have, gosh. I
1: know. <laughs> well, that's, you're, you're very lucky, too. for for. <laughs> For some reason for, for some reason princeton was like no we don't want your your shitty iowa math class that you, <laughs> we're, we're not gonna count that <laughs> so, so that was oh so i did I, I did end up taking like the the next higher up calculus class at princeton except it was Except that was like a real like hard. It it was it was like a real hardcore math class, which my the story at the time was that they used the some of the prereq classes such as this math class as like weeding out classes to kind of weed out people who like thought like myself. They were interested in physics and mm. things of things of that nature. After I took that class, I was like, "Nope, I'm gonna do philosophy."
0: <laughs> is that what you ended up majoring in? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so, so then your music education, your music training, is something you didn't do through um, through like your um, in college, but you did it sort of through conservatories and other. Um, I would, I don't know, should I say extracurricular means as opposed to your core, um, uh,
1: education? Uh, well, I mean, I, I spent the amount of time that I practiced the violin was definitely more than the time that I spent on, like, a particular class in high school. Sure, yes. Uh, but I guess, I guess they do call it extracurriculars, um,
0: yeah, yeah, which is kind of unfortunate because I mean, yeah, just because you didn't for, um. Well, it is a formal training and formal education. What? You oh did. yeah, no, no, it's yeah. super,
1: super formal.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you you, from six and a half, mm-hmm. through all the way through high school, you play the violin and you train on violin, and then college you decide to just drop it all. Why?
1: Um, I mean, I, I think it's, um, you know, when people go to, it's that like classic storyline where it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to go to college. Now I'm going to be like my own person. And I think for me, like I played the violin so much that was really like my identity in high school that it was Mm. like, well, now I'm in college, I can kind of do, do something else. And like think about myself as a different person. Um, and I I think um, I, I mean I're related to that was I, I think I think I knew at the time that becoming like a professional concert violinist wasn't really what wasn't really in it for me either. Well, for 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 a variety of reasons, um, when I was when I was in high school, there was this uh, competition that I entered, and and won. It was the American String Teachers Association. They have like a national solo competition, sort of every other year, um, and I won for sort of the pre college group and the violin, and there there was a violinist there who. Um, So a professional violinist named Benny Kim, who was, I think, I think he was in the area. I don't remember how we knew each other, but he, um, you know, during the competition, like he invited me over. I I remember he made mashed potatoes and his secret was that he used cream cheese in the mashed potatoes. So anyways, he...
0: That sounds really good. Have you tried that?
1: (laughs) No, I mean, not, not since... I mean, my, I may have tried it once, but I, I don't think it's something that I, I've, I've I, done. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think I'll try it now.
1: <laughs> but, um, so, uh, but, but I was talking with him and I think what what I seem to remember is that he was saying that the life of a traveling violinist is pretty tough and it's difficult to have like a family life if that's something that you wanna do. And I remember that very much. And I think, I think since then, maybe, maybe it was around that point that I, I, I thought. Uh, I don't, I don't really know. You know, I love playing the violin. Um, I still do now, even though I don't, don't do it very much. But I think ever since that point, I, I really thought, you know, uh, maybe this isn't what I want to do. But, you know, there were there were a bunch of other things going on at the time as well. Like classical music is, <laughs> if you thought classical music in the 90s was dying, then by God, like look at things now. Because uh, uh, I would say the classical music is kind of a joke now.
0: Maybe, Not... but there are some classically trained musicians that are
1: making crossovers. So... I think that there are, there must be good classical musicians. Um, it's more that I think the, the market forces classical musicians to make choices that are not necessarily artistically great. Um, and additionally, I think I think the the press. And the music media is not literate with classical music. I saw this yeah. a few years ago. I saw this. I saw this one. I, I don't know if it was from NPR or whatever. They were talking about, oh, here are the best, here are the best albums coming out this year. So just all like pop, indie, you know, whatever. Like, and then they like, and here at 26 is this classical album. And like, I looked at that and I was just like, you know what? Like, don't, don't even, don't even put the fucking album in there. (laughs) Cause like, we we all know that you were just like, oh yeah, classical music. Let's put it in. Yeah. We have to put one in. (laughs) Let's, let's roll the dice. 26. Okay. There it is. We did, we did it. You know, I, what, I, I think, I think beyond that, like. Just those just seeing the way that like classical music is written about. Like to me, it's just, it's a joke. <laughs> but uh it's I, I think, you know, maybe at some point there's gonna be a resurgence of an interest in that. I do think that there is, you know, some crossover stuff. I will tell you, a lot of the crossover stuff, I I think I think this relates to 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 this in some sense, but a lot of times when they say, "Oh, you know what?" has classical influences. All they mean is that it was like a pop record, and somebody played the violin.
0: Right, right. That's not what I mean. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. But I, I, I'm just saying, like, you know, or but but that's the way that music media talks.
0: Yeah, that's kind of stupid. Or they'll be like, stupid.
1: "Oh, this has got some like jazz elements." I was like, "No, the person played a pop tune with a saxophone. What are you talking about?" like it's well, not the same thing
0: well it is an element of jazz in there <laughs> hey.
1: but i but i mean like yeah. you know uh, so much of classical and jazz like it's not re- it's not really the instruments right it's, right it's it's there a lot of it is about like a phrasing approach or like uh a, an approach for uh melody writing or like a, an approach for chords, but those things are more abstract, which of course is the exact thing that like a lot of music me it doesn't latch onto. They right. don't like they don't like oh, this chord progression sounds like this classical piece. Um, they, they don't <laughs> they don't really latch onto that at all. There is this one there's this one music writer. There was this story about how many years ago now. I'm guessing like six years ago it was like Sam Smith and like, there was some other song that was like, Oh, this song rips off this other song. Do you remember this? No, not really. I mean, there, there are these stories that come out like every yeah. few years of like, Oh, this song is like, it, you know, rips off this other song. And all of, all of the articles were like, and it has the same chord progression. That was like, that's in, dumb. The same, it was in the same, it was in the same article. That was just reposted, reposted. No, but it's it's even dumber. It's even dumber than you think. Oh, okay. Because it wasn't the same chord progression. <laughs> I was like, is anybody listening to the music? I went, what's that? It was like in the Los Angeles Times. It was like an AP story, it's like the same chord. I was like, no, it's not. What are you guys talking about? So like anything that gets like slightly more abstract, which requires some like some more refined hearing, just, just there, there there's no literacy. There's just goes over their heads. And I'm like, well, that's fine. That's fine, you know, because listening to music isn't isn't about that. I mean, well, it's listening, not, it's, it's not only about that
0: listening as a listener yeah I would agree but if somebody is writing about it if somebody's critiquing it it they need to understand
1: yeah well and and I will say too that like it's it it's also like being able to tell the difference like it makes a difference to like the emotion or how something feels mm-hmm. and it can be the case that somebody listens to something and they miss like an important emotional element. And the reason for that will be because they don't latch on to like a distinction in like the chords that somebody else will be hearing. Somebody else will hear it and they will track it better. You know, maybe if the other person listens to it long enough, they'll sort of catch on and that's, that's good. And you know, that's, that's not like, I'm not, I'm not saying that the other person's listening to it wrong. But, you know, we have ideas like reading comprehension. Somebody can read like, you know, a story and be like, oh, wait.
0: Yeah. Like a writer would look at a piece of writing differently than, you know, somebody who's just reading it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: true for any discipline.
1: Yeah. And I, I think I think for 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 a lot of music i think people don't think about that distinction enough because people have this idea that like oh well i he- i heard it and like it just like went into my brain and then it's the whole thing is there so like they, they don't think about the idea that they could be mistaken about like what they're hearing yeah. Um, yeah in in the way that you know they can with like you know reading a book
0: Yeah. So combining this idea of education, music and and musical illiteracy, I think I I agree with you. I think, um, you know, music is not really taught in school. Um, And so we grow up musically illiterate. I mean, you know, uh, like we don't understand. yeah we don't understand basic things i don't know i mean i think i think it would be benefit to everyone to have some level of music education not that like we need to listen to and parse that like oh i hear this chord or that chord or this instrument that's because like as a listener it doesn't matter you know what the technical aspects of artists is really about how it makes you feel
1: yeah well i i i, I look i don't I don't think that the idea is that people need to learn what some people refer to as music theory. Notice my careful phrasing there. Yeah. So it, it's more about practicing listening to things, uh, talking with other people who listen to it, And like coming to some shared understanding of like what other people are listening to and being able to share in the way that they're hearing the music and vice versa, because people will hear certain things that you don't and vice versa. And Mm -hmm. when you're talking to writers, people will be like, Oh, well, here's something that you can write with this. You know, here here's a piece. Let's let's. What's going to come next? Oh, you could write it this way. Oh, you could write it this way. So people need to have those conversations, but I think there's this there's this. It's like a crippling fear that people have that they don't want to talk about the specifics about what they're hearing with other people, or they don't Is that, really. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I I definitely think so because I, okay. I will I will I will talk to talk to other singer songwriters like about their music and I'll be like oh you know blah 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 and they'll be like what I had never even thought about that before it's like why like I mean it's because we haven't been talking about this that's that's why
0: yeah I I feel like there isn't as a as a musician well I don't know I say I I. I I very hesitantly call myself a musician because I'm not trained in music. Um, Well, but anyway, as a as a singer songwriter uh, that I will say, I am. Um, I mean, I don't think I have enough opportunity for me to talk about, you know, like what I do. I don't know. Maybe because I don't really reach
1: out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm reaching out to you today so we can talk about it. You you should go to open mics, but you you should find, I mean, and I'll say like, even for me, like it's difficult to find places to talk about, to talk about, you know, what we're listening to or to talk about, uh, to talk about writing. Mm -hmm. And, and part of, part of the reason is that I, I think that, people take what they're hearing very personally like in this in the same way that you know when you're writing something you take it very personally what you're doing and for somebody to critique that like it's and that's really difficult for, for so any many art. people <laughs> uh,
0: for for any type of art yeah for somebody to come in and say yeah change this or this doesn't work or yeah
1: and and i and i think i think what's happened i mean and i've, I've noticed this over the last decade more than i think uh, at other times is there's there's this idea there's there's this idea of like relativism it's like oh you know each person hears things in like a different way and of course people hear things in a different way that's not relativism Uh, Trust me, I'm a philosopher, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, but but what's happened is that people take this idea of like relativism and they don't mean relativism. What they mean is that they don't want what they have to say to be subjected to disagreement or critique or further analysis. So it's really a defense mechanism. It's just, it's all psychological. It's a defense mechanism. It's not, it turns out, random people listening to music don't have like elevated lofty philosophical positions about, you know, music listening. It turns out they're just defensive and, (laughs) and they, 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 so what what happens is like, I mean, and it will happen when I'm talking to somebody about music. Here's a classic situation.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Somebody enjoys listening to this song by you know insert artist another person says oh i don't like that song first person gets offended right yeah yeah so that that's that's <laughs> we we did we didn't even get into the conversation yet and somebody got offended and then they 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 either stop talking or they just get really really like mean with one another. Yeah. Right. And then that's that's the that's the end. That's what a classic online conversation about music involves.
0: Oh, you're talking about online conversations. That's the worst. Um... <laughs> well, but but other
1: types of conversations, as 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 dumb as online conversations are they are usually smarter than that. Hmm. You know, some some people will get, you know, people will have political, I see political disagreements online all the time mm-hmm. where people will at least get into it a little bit more about like, oh, well, here are some facts that I looked up or, you know, that thought, you know, that's, that's wrong because of X, Y, and Z. But they will get into that reasoning and mm. whatnot mm. but for music i rarely see that happen
0: i wonder if it's because it's so uh, such an intrinsic um experience because you know we we intrinsically understand music our bodies are basically musical instruments if you want to mm-hmm. think about it that way um and no one has to teach a child music he'll you know they'll hear music and They'll either move to it or, you know, bob their heads to it or, or something. It, it does affect them, right? They enjoy it or something. And this is like, I think, intrinsic in us to mm-hmm. enjoy on some level, find it aesthetic. And so um, I wonder if it's because it's that. And so it feels like
1: it's, a per- it's such a personal thing, personal experience. I don't well. know. But I mean, I I do I do agree in the sense that when the other person says they don't even have to say it's bad they they will just say they don't like it exactly. The first person will be like, "Oh, how could you, know you saying, I like it? Are you are you, say, are you saying that I'm stupid or like a bad person?"
3: That really, do people take it that far?
1: Pe- people get really offended. I I I've had conversation. I've had conversation. Well, I probably. Went too far and was probably drunk, but <laughs> okay. but when, when I've I've had conversations about music where people have unfriended me, really? <laughs> yeah. where it's just like we're not even talking about each other's music. We're just talking about this other person, who by the way sucks, and, the, <laughs> and that just
0: yeah, that's I find that strange. Uh, you know, one one area where I find you know that kind of behavior really strange is sports where people are so loyal to their teens that any kind of criticism they take it so personal. Oh
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, that and to the
0: extreme where they like have bar fights and riots and all kinds of, you know, violence. Uh,
1: let, let me let me let me say, so here here's what I think the difference is though. Cuz yeah. even with sports talk online, people will be like, "Oh, well, I disagree with that because yada, yada, yada. I, I, I think, you know, with political disagreements or like sports disagreements, people will be able to provide reasons. They'll be able to start saying, oh, you know, you know, yada, 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 or yada, yada, you know, here's some facts, here's some statistics, you know, here's my argument about this. They'll get into it in a more productive way. The problem with music, discussions that i've seen especially for people who you know don't think about like music listening a lot Uh, if there isn't an article that's written about it that they can like you know start like quoting language from like let's say they're just listening to like a brand new piece of music people lack the language well, this is maybe a sort of music theory, but not not music theory, it's more just sort of developing a language to be able to talk about it. People lack a language to be able to talk about music and approach it just from like listening to it.
3: Mm-hmm. Like no, I can I...
1: I can listen to a piece of music and like, I, I could talk forever about it. It's just like, oh, here's the chord structure. Oh, you know, here's the phrasing. You talk to other musicians, like other concert violinists or jazz musicians about phrasing. Mm-hmm. They can just go on for days about phrasing. But there's like a whole like tradition and like way of talking about things that they have like grown up with that makes it easy for them to talk about any piece of music that, that they're listening to. uh, and that helps to lead to some good discussions. But I think, I think a lot of discussions about music, it's kind of, it's kind of like the, it's kind of like the issue that, you know, we talk about with, uh, not not teaching boys how to express their emotions if if people don't grow up with like developing a language to express their emotions right it comes out in bad ways like they they can't they can't have like a productive discussion about what's going on yeah you can see sometimes people that have difficulty but you can see like things churning in their head but it's but they don't know how to vocalize it. And I think it's the same thing with music as well, that if you don't start to develop and it doesn't need to be a specific, like, you know, Western music theory language. It doesn't have to be that. I know lots of musicians that don't speak that language, but are nevertheless yeah. able to have really productive conversations. It
0: could be plain, it could be expressed in plain language. But again, I think I think though I think that goes back to my earlier point because it's such an intrinsic experience. No one teaches you to enjoy music. You come out, you know, you just you just kind of in, intrinsically understand it at at that level then mm-hmm. maybe that's why we don't necessarily develop our, you know, specific language uh, to articulate our thoughts and feelings about it. Cause we mm-hmm. just feel it. Right. It's
1: like, how do you, I don't know. Okay. I yeah. Just... yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it's, it's the same reason why like emotions can be like, people don't come out of the box able to be like, Oh, I'm feeling hungry. You know, right. <laughs> that's that's not that's not you have to like start developing a language and like learn how to you know triangulate sort of feelings and like words and how does that all work together yeah and i think it is the same thing with music but i think i think because you know we don't go through like a music edu there there isn't as much music education where in this case it's not about teaching like a particular you know, theoretical framework or like system of terms. It's it's just about letting people develop a language for talking about something so mm-hmm. they can point to it and be like, oh, I heard this thing that I really like. And somebody else can be like, oh, I hear that too. I don't necessarily like it, but I see what you're talking about.
3: Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you don't
1: have that, then, it's, then what you have is people just getting angry at one another and it turns into that, that at least that obnoxious discussion that I see play out online. Yeah. Um, and it's, anyway,
0: it, it's interesting how music evokes that kind of response, though, but not other forms of like art, like like paintings or, <laughs> you know. Well,
1: um, yeah. I mean, pa- paintings. Well, I will say, especially like singer songwriter music. I think there's a little bit more because there's at least words that people can point to. It's like, right. You know, cow uh i don't know what song has cow in it but you know what i'm talking about (laughs) oh mcdonald had
0: a farm maybe
1: (laughs) he had a cow Cow. yeah Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) and uh that so that you get a little bit more especially if if there's no lyrics then then like just all bets are off people are just like completely useless nothing to talk about paintings though you know they can they can point to objects and be like oh you know that thing that that cloud there looks like a cow or it looks like something right. else or there's a person the person's like oh he's he's gonna lunge at that other person and there's like a dramatic narrative people can talk about that
0: well there are abstract paintings where people scratch their heads and there's just a blue pain and like i don't but they think they, that can, that.
1: they can but, say blue
0: yes that that is true that is true yes that is absolutely true but You know, you listen to music and unless you have like, um, you know, pitch perfect tone, like you hear a note, is that a C or a G? It doesn't matter. Right. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what note it is. But to but to be able to talk about what does that note do to you? How does it make you feel? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It is difficult to express. All, All you can really say on a basic level is I like it. Or I don't like it, you know. And if I like it, but you don't like it, well, how can you not like it? I like it. There must be something wrong with you.
1: (laughs) Is that where is that where the conversations go? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's well. No, no. I think that, that it it doesn't go anywhere. That's yeah. That's like the end. And then you know, then then what will happen is that. And I I think I think it mucks everything up. It's just you know, people may have something to say if they see an article and they're like, oh, here's what X said about it. Now, that's what I think about this. Let me say this thing now, which I took from X, and now I'm going to say it as my position on it. Yeah. And then there's this There's this whole like, I guess you would call it like prestige baggage or like <laughs> status baggage where Uh it's like, oh, you know, but, you know, I like this song because, you know, it was written up in, you know, some outlet or, you know, this singer songwriter's famous and like that, that all, and, you know, now I'm listening to it. I like it. So like, that means that I'm part of this group of people that likes this song. I see. Oh, you know, that's, that's what else makes it super personal is because people go into the music sort of with these, like these notions. Yeah that, you know, I'm, I'm listening to this thing now. It's very sophisticated. I'm, I like it. I'm going to tell the people I like it. So now I'm a sophisticated person too.
0: Yeah. Uh, Now,
1: now now somebody (laughs) says, no, that's garbage. And the singer songwriters are racist. (laughs) And it all, it all, it all, it all stops being about, you know, people talking about music and now it's just like, drama and, and but
0: it seems like in that in that case there's the, the conflation of many different things uh, but I'm, I'm going back to the musical literacy though i wonder if it's because we don't listen to enough of uh like classical music growing up and jazz music growing up you know um musical disciplines that you know that incorporate all these this different nuances in music, the intricacies. Well like popular music is, you know, uh, from a musical composition standpoint, popular music is very it's not that complicated compared to classical and jazz.
1: Well but I I think I think that pop is a great place to like standard pop is a great place to start out though. Mm Mm-hmm because i mean like look even even like learning classical music you start on twinkle twinkle little star
0: well which was written by mozart isn't it
1: i don't i will have I, to look this up well, i
0: think so no, but but,
1: yeah. the, the, but the song the song itself is very simple you start right. on simple stuff and then you go so i i don't think there's anything wrong with starting with pop and look there there is a lot of pop that starts to incorporate sort of more interesting chord regressions and you know, doing other things. And I, I think the term pop is very flexible, but mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't think it has to do with the idea of people needing, people don't need to do class, don't need to be trained in classical or jazz necessarily. They should be exposed to it in the sense that they should be exposed to anything. Sure. That, you know, helps them see different things that music can do but i think beyond that it's 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 not <clears throat> it's not like training in a genre per se it's about this idea of like ear training just forget like whatever music theory system or whatever you have but like you know in order for my friend and i to play the same piece you know we have to be like oh you know doesn't have to be these terms but it's like oh it's a one chord it's a four chord it's a five chord we've got to play the same chords in right. order to play the piece together and there's there's a there's a success and failure risk at being able to talk about you know if somebody's like oh you know that's a one chord and then a four chord there's a successive failure risk there because they could say oh it's a one chord and a five chord and they would be wrong mm. and so now the person's like oh that's not a one chord and a five chord well let me let me listen closer again and like let me let me hear it and be able to say the correct thing based on what i'm hearing it, it's it's such a it's such a simple it's such a simple thing but like that's like a basic thing that most most people who don't do that much training in music they don't subject themselves to because they don't want to be wrong about something music related mm. so incidentally this this that one article from like in the LA times and like these other things they were like mixing up a four and a five chord by the way
0: <laughs> okay
1: where it was just like no like li- listen to it you know and then like you you could be wrong about that but correct yourself and like listen to it again and you'll be able, if you, like, practice at it, you'll be able to identify it and be like, oh, I heard this. And they'll be like, yeah, you did hear that. Good. Now we're, like, speaking the same language and we can start talking about it now. But I think if you don't get to that point, people are stuck in this idea. It's like, oh, you know, what, what you hear is good for you. What I hear is good for me. Like, maybe we like different things. That's not a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> That's just like, okay, you know, I... That's-
0: that's basically saying let's agree to disagree. Yeah, a no, phrase that, that I hate. By the way,
1: yeah, and, I, I, and I, I think I think that's the way I think that's the way that a lot of people approach music talk. Let's agree to disagree. So it's like that's the dumbest conversation ever. Yeah. Um, let's let's agree or disagree. I mean, because let's agree to disagree isn't even a statement about the music. Right. That's just like. It's, it's just a... We, we, we've squared off against one another and like, like no, okay, I'm, it's a... I'm, I'm good here. You stay there. It's,
0: it's basically a way of telling the other person to shut up.
1: <laughs> yes. It really is. Has, has nothing to do with the music. It's not even agreement or disagreement about the music. It's yeah. just... Well, yeah. And we should be able to talk
0: about things without making that sort of value judgment that it's good or not. I mean, you know, but even if it is, if it even if it is on that level, you know, hey, I like this piece of music because it's good. Okay, what makes it good? Mm -hmm. What, you know, I mean, even that simple follow up question would be able to further a conversation maybe, (laughs) unless, unless you really don't want to just talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. But anyway, yeah, we we kind of went down that rabbit <laughs> hole. <laughs> so so okay, so you were classically trained as a violinist, or you were trained as a classical violinist, um, and you decided that traveling um, musician lifestyle is not something that you wanted, so you wanted to explore something else, and you ended up uh, studying philosophy in college. Yeah. Um, when, when did you decide to go to law school? Oh. Uh, well. Or the, did philosophy just sort of like uh, naturally progressed into law?
1: No, well, so what happened? So after I decided to not do physics in college, <laughs> I decided to do <laughs> philosophy. And my parents... <laughs> Wait, I
0: missed that. When, my, when, were my, you, my, when were you? Wait, I missed this. That's something. When were you contemplating physics?
1: Uh, just initially. That's the oh, calculus okay. class was like. Uh, I it. see. I see. So that so I was gonna do philosophy, and my my parents <laughs> parents threatened to disown me. Of course. What are you gonna philosophy. do with philosophy? <laughs>
4: yeah. So and I said,
1: well, I'm I'm gonna do philosophy, and then we're not gonna speak again ever. Goodbye. And then my parents called me back the next day and said, we were bluffing, we were bluffing. Just take a few economics classes. Uh, so I, um, I did f- finished philosophy. Um, then, then I spent a few years after college not knowing what I was doing. I, I decided kind of late to apply to graduate schools in philosophy. Um, so after two years in Iowa, oh jeez, no one year in one year in California and one year in Iowa. Um, then I went to graduate school in philosophy. I got my PhD in philosophy. Took six or seven years. Uh, so what happened was, I, I think I think that many people that go into graduate work. There's, there's this thing that they call like the glow or the aura of the PhDs that people want it, but they don't really necessarily think about what it'll be useful for. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, among other things, there was a change in the job market for PhDs, especially in philosophy where the job market got a lot worse.
3: Yeah, sure.
1: And I think I really, I realized about a half year before I defended my PhD that um, there was a very, very high chance that I either wasn't going to get a job or in the ideal case, I would get a job, but I would have no choice about where I lived. Mm
3: -hmm.
4: And
1: I think for a straight person like, it's a little more acceptable to be like oh you know you live in this small town that's like a few hours away from a big city um uh, i think for somebody who's not straight i think the that option seems a lot more daunting
4: yeah
1: and i thought you know what i don't i don't want to die alone so i'm going to do something else and about um about a month before I defended my dissertation, I was studying, you know, for the LSATs. I defended my dissertation, went fine. So I got my PhD and then... What was...
0: So just out of curiosity, what was your
1: dissertation on? Um... Uh, oh, geez. Uh, my dissertation was on, it was on the relationship between... Um, rationality and the concept of acting in accordance with your best judgment
0: Mm, okay so like a lot of
1: people will will there's a classic view that like one one interpretation of rational action is that you have your best judgment about what you should do and then, if you do it, then you acted rationally. If you didn't do it, then right. you acted irrationally.
0: Right, right. And, and... human behavior is anything
1: but. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's, there's, uh, there was some pushback on that view about a decade ago. There's, there's some literature about it, and I, 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 I wrote a dissertation that was largely in defense of the view, but also drawing on. Um, the philosophy of action and moral philosophy of Immanuel Kant, who I have a a specialty in sort of the ethics and history of philosophy of Kant, sort of drew on that to sort of talk about why that was still very much a good view and why a lot of the the critiques of the view are just flatly wrong.
3: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyway.
1: So I I defended my dissertation and then uh, I think it was within a few weeks. I, you know, I was continuing for the LSAT, took the LSAT. I thought I bombed it. There was this one section about like, like different like dinosaurs and like you're collecting the dinosaurs. And I I thought I just totally fucked it up, but it turns out I did pretty, I did pretty well. Okay. Um, Got into NYU for law school. Um, I was temporarily on the wait list at columbia i only mention that because i decided to not go i decided not to stay on the wait list for columbia because well i wanted to live in new york city but nyu is in the village Uh and it's like oh yeah it's a bustling music scene you know there's a lot of music history and whatnot and so okay well i'll go i'll go to nyu uh and definitely strip although strangely like my first year and a half i lived in harlem because that's where my brother lived Uh i lived in harlem which is closer to columbia and then was taking the train down to nyu for school didn't make any sense um and then uh yeah so that's that's how i ended up doing law
0: i i actually uh... that was that was the
1: that was the original question though right
0: Yeah. When, when,
1: yeah, it was.
0: No, it's okay. It's okay. And we could we could meander about all we want. It's it's just. Well,
1: I I think a lot of times, like when I start talking, I I tell what sounds like what they call the shaggy dog story, (laughs) except it's not a shaggy dog story. Like I'm telling the story. I'm just being very long winded about it. There's a yeah. difference. Yeah, but you know what,
0: though? Um, at, at least uh, you do get to uh, the point eventually. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm being serious about this because um, uh, there are so many talkers don't don't actually get to the point. Uh, what happens to me sometimes, sometimes, like I would say, half the times I get to the point, you know, I, I might go a very circuitous route, but, um, and then about 25% of the time, uh, it in the middle of the story i forget where i was going <laughs> what what point i was going to make <laughs> and the other 25 i just don't care <laughs>
1: yeah. well you know it's it's like it's like a it's like a math problem or yeah or uh or computer programming you've got like your parenthetical sure it's like oh now here's another, another sub parenthetical oh here's another sub. Right. you just gotta be like okay it's so a close the bracket close the bracket <laughs> <laughs> okay, close the bracket. I, okay, done with the story. And then, and then, you
0: don't. Know, if you don't close all the brackets, it'll come out error. <laughs> yes, yes,
2: exactly.
0: <laughs> but um, yes, that was my original question. By the way, just incidentally, I, I actually went to NYU too. Uh, I, I was there for a year and a half. Well, I, I went for a year, I took a year off, went back uh for one more semester and I decided I really did not like NYU and that and I transferred to I transferred to uh one of the CUNY colleges, uh at Lehman College in, in the Bronx. Um uh-huh. yeah. nobody
1: I what I don't even know what the my my only oh my gosh. What? I'm gonna tell you these things. My only prior <laughs> exposure to NYU was watching Felicity and, Okay. Yeah remember she's got like the hair and then yeah. there was that one season where she cut the hair. That's all that I remember about that show.
0: The only <laughs> but, thing I know about that show is from the commercials. I never actually watched it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Probably for the good. So, the, the other, the other thing. This is so embarrassing, but I think it wasn't. It wasn't until I think either halfway through my first year at NYU Law. I thought that NYU was a state school, right? Because of the name, New York in the school name. So I thought, oh, this is a state school. Like I'm a state school kid. Yeah. Yeah. like, Oh no, no, that's not the case. It's it's just a dumb private school, whatever. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) I didn't realize that until halfway through the first year, which was a little bit of a of a letdown. But yeah what what did what did you what did you uh, major in at NYU and then
0: sort of... Uh, um, well, actually, when I initially went into NYU, because um, I think at the time you had to... Well, you didn't have to absolutely uh, decide on a major until by the end of your sophomore year, but um, but you could go in declaring at least a field of interest or a major of interest. And so when you applied. So mm-hmm. when I applied, I applied with a biology major because that's, um, you know, I studied biology. I went up to AP biology in, in high school. So I thought, okay, well, since that's been. So I'll do that. But I had no no idea as to what I wanted to do. So I went in and then, um, but you didn't have to actually declare a major until after sophomore year, but I didn't even finish my sophomore year there, so it didn't matter. Uh, When I went to Lehman, um, I decided I wanted to I became really interested in uh, human studies in general. So I took classes in psychology, sociology, linguistics, anthropology, all those things. Mm -hmm. And I uh, eventually ended up with psychology as my major. And I think sociology was my minor, but I also took like linguistics and anthropology classes as well. But uh, all that was sort of moot because I never graduated. So yeah, Uh I'm a psychology study with no degree. (laughs) <laughs> yeah
1: well it, it it happens
0: yeah well you know whatever yeah i mean that that's a long story but yeah we
1: don't need well, to get you anything. know you know i mean pe- people people both undervalue and overvalue like Degrees. formal education yeah because like i have i have no i mean i have training in music but it's classical music but like i'm a i'm pretty darn good pop songwriter
0: oh yeah I, would I, say so. I have
1: no i have no i have all these friends that are like oh i went to what's that one school in boston everybody's like oh, berkeley went here. berkeley yes thank you yeah. berkeley oh i'm fancy anyway <laughs> that's my berkeley impression apparently
0: my uh my producer went to berkeley actually oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> no that's okay <laughs> he, he's not like that at all he's not like that at all i think he grew up uh, i mean i'm gonna do a podcast with him uh, in in may but and i'll find out but um but i think he grew up in nashville mm-hmm. i'm not sure i he yeah uh he grew up in the south um i think it's nashville so i think you know he was surrounded by music and all that and i think he was either playing the piano or singing or doing something musically since he was three i think like very young um yeah because i i think that was his first exposure was like in the in the church uh, uh, music scene i think Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway yeah but no he ended up going to berkeley and my guitarist he went to not berkeley but another music school in in the boston area it's like american music conservatory or something like that i don't know new
1: england conservatory
0: maybe i'm not sure yeah okay but it's it's yeah but it's in the yeah it's in the boston area so they were they their time in in the boston area overlapped actually um mm. but you know they didn't know each other back then yeah but uh but anyway knows, what were you
1: maybe
0: what were you saying about berkeley uh a lot of oh.
1: <laughs> well <laughs> what are my thoughts about i mean i i i never went there so i have nothing yeah. to say about it it's i fine. mean i i but you went to it. juilliard <laughs> yeah but here, here, here's, 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 the thing. I think what I find immediately suspicious. Of, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna just gonna sure. Go. No, say so yeah. it. What I find immediately suspicious, but but I mean it's it's a good thing in some sense. Is you know there's a lot of focus on the music business aspect at Berkeley. Yeah. I mean, there there should be. I mean, like, they they teach courses in, like, music marketing and publicity and, you know, just music business stuff in general, which they should be doing Mm -hmm. uh, because, like, look, in order to do anything in music, like, you got to learn the business. Yeah. And, you know, people will, will end up, like, working. Like, I'm sure there's many graduates of Berkeley who end up, like, working in the music industry sort of in a more like business or like sound tech capacity, you know, I, I the, so somebody might have the idea that you go to a place like that. And then like you go in sort of hoping to become like a singer songwriter or like, you know, a pop singer or a pop star or something like that. But many people sort of have other types of jobs in the, in the industry, which are, Hugely valuable and like are fulfill a need that many many people you you, you can't <laughs> I'm gonna say is you can't it's very difficult to be good at everything so you need to, you need to have people that you know you know so many singers songwriters that I know have like a crippling fear of like the idea of recording. So you, mm-hmm. you got to have people that like learn recording or like learn production like and i'm sure they teach all those those kinds of things but i'm this isn't this isn't about berkeley specifically it's just that i i'm always i'm always immediately super suspicious of anybody teaching music business and this is this this isn't berkeley specific but i've i've just run into so many there, there's a huge industry of people wanting to sell services to musicians to be like, hey, we're gonna make you famous. Here's right. like some simple things that you need to do to become famous, right?
0: Right. What, What? what a couple of thoughts on that. One, I, I, you know, not everyone who goes into the music industry is doing it to become famous um, or become, you know, or be the artists, you know, the, you um, the public facing artists a lot. I mean, plenty of working musicians are, you know, in the background or in the studio or composing scores for movies or whatnot. And, you know, or
1: even just doing art privately for themselves as like a method of expression.
0: Sure. Yeah. There. Yeah. Um, so there's that and then second i forget the second point so this this is what happens to me <laughs> but anyway um but but on that on that note though yeah you do have actually a lot of opinions about the music industry and 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 you do voice your opinions on social media a lot uh in terms of yeah well and, i
1: mean there's yeah. there's there there are just there are just so many scam artists out there sure yeah it's like i mean i mean it really it really is that simple in the sense that like there's a whole bunch of people who have hopes and dreams this is really what it's all about so many people that have hopes and dreams and because it's important to them they're willing to pay lots of money Mm. And then there's other people who say, "Well, um, I can. This looks like a tasty market for taking money from people, where I have services to give them that have varying levels of success." <laughs> Is what we'll say. Many of them, very high rates of failure, and then it gets to a point where. I don't know. I just think that there's, there's so many people that are, that find the group of aspiring, you know, public facing musicians and just see that as a delicious, delicious market for taking money from people. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, But I, I think, I think related to that, again, what makes me suspicious of, people trying to sell, uh, you know, business, music business services or strategies is I think that not everybody, I mean, and this, this isn't, a, this, there's no necessary relation between this and somebody's having like an artistic gift or an artistic product that they, that they have, they're doing things with but there are many people that don't have a body of work that is really ready for like selling commercially and yet there are people that are willing to sell the music business services where i think at a certain point you know if you're selling if you're selling a product to somebody who's not really ready for like ready for prime time sure. that there there's there's a, there's an ethical issue yeah
0: yeah you're, you're really setting them up to fail
1: yeah yeah i mean you know just just what <laughs> sort of a different it's not exactly the same thing but you, you remember like who's who in america uh maybe, maybe so maybe. like who's who in america i i remember it <clears throat> there's apparently like a few different iterations on this who's who in america was like a thing and that i remember in high school they have like a who's who's in america of high america's high school students so here's what it is um somebody comes to your door and they say hey your kid looks like a pretty smart kid does he want to be in who's who in america high school edition hmm and then the parents will be like, oh yeah, you know, like I love my kid. He's so he's so he's such a genius. Um, and they'll be like, hey, so great. Like in order to, in order to get in, like he'll have to pass this test, you know, and the test is like some just every everybody passes the test. It's not actually like a filter. <laughs> and then and they're like, okay, but in order to get. Into Who's Who in America, like you'll want to buy a copy of the book, right? And the copy is just like some gigantic tome of just of just like everybody's kid is in the book, but then everybody who gets the book is like, my kid's a genius, you know, he's famous now, he's in Who's Who in America, but it turns out the book is. it turns out the book is just a list of all the kids whose parents were dumb enough to pay for uh, this wow yeah and so the, the whole system was just like it was just some like some booksellers that are just like make, making a profit off of everybody right
0: yeah well uh, also i think maybe it's also something like um you know uh, scam mar- modeling agencies, you know, where like, oh, right. It's like, yeah. hey, you have a pretty face. Yeah. I could, you know, like, or modeling agent or, or something like that. You know, um, you should be a model. You know, I could probably sign you up with a lead modeling agency or something. But first we need headshots. We need this. We need that. And it's a whole yeah. package they sell yeah. to them. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I,
1: I, I was talking with somebody um, about they, they had hired a publicist where I was, I was seeing some of the, the articles that, you know, they had gotten write-ups in. And I was like, oh, well, if you look at this one website, like there's, um there's no viewers. And, you know, there's nobody reading any of the articles. And like, I think, in order to comment, you have to log, you have to log into something. Uh-huh. And then if you log in, like you, you see, like, it's just like an empty shell of a website. And then uh-huh. the, the administrator kicks you out immediately because you're not, because they, they didn't want you to see that. That it was just, it was a fake website with just like, you know, it's basically who's, 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 who in America, except website musician right edition right so it's just you have these websites so i was looking at this was like oh like this is their this isn't real publicity this is just like somebody you know i could just generate a website right now and just oh you know, sure
0: oh yeah no you could do it in two seconds yeah and then you know
1: with with spotify there was this whole thing a few months ago where spotify um basically like delisted a whole bunch of they delisted like a several million songs.
0: Yeah. What was that about? I I read
1: your post. So Um, so. what what happened, my my understanding, I had researched this a a lot, but my understanding was what happened was um, there was there just is a very high percentage of people that either intentionally or unintentionally um, use just bots. To generate fake plays for songs so, I mean, it's, it's something that I, I have known has gone on for a while because you can just see it like, um, but Spotify, I, I don't love what Spotify is doing just in general, but they have a legitimate interest in not, you know, they have to pay a certain amount for a play they don't want to pay for fake plays sure. to an artist that didn't actually get real listens. So if they identify tracks that have been botted and you know generate, you know, some huge number of hits, uh, if they identify them. Apparently, they were just delisting them. And there was a period in the past few months where there was just like a huge mass delisting where they were just like all these songs. And I'm sure I've, I have heard of artists getting delisted or like just permanently banned from Spotify because they were just, wow. when you when you think about it, if they get, you know, 0.04, 0.04 cents 4 per play, I can't remember exactly what the, if, if you're generating enough hits, like doing something like that, like you're, even if you're paying some third party to like generate the hits with bots, you're then taking royalties from Spotify then and they're just like hey you know we could we could use this money for other things apparently not paying other musicians but you know the there, there's a weird thing going on and you see what interest they have in that but the 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 thing about it is that there were many musicians that were paying, you know, a publicist or something. I mean, and I use the word public. There's so many people working as publicists these days. Sure. But uh, uh, there were publicists that were giving the appearance that they were getting an audience for their music uh-huh. because they would see their Spotify hits go up and be like, "Oh, my publicist is doing a good job." But it turns out those plays were bots, not actual publicity. Right. So, so then, you know, But that's, somebody... unbe-
0: but that's unbeknownst to the artists who are paying the publicist.
1: Yes. Although at a certain point, you know, I think people, people should know better, but right. there's many naive people that like, they don't really know how a lot of this works and the publicist is doing something sneaky to try and make it look like they're, they're actually getting some, some results. And so, yeah, that's why I say intentionally or unintentionally. Um, And so that's that's what led to that. And I I know people who had stuff delisted, they were surprised because they didn't know that the Spotify metrics that they were getting were the result of bots, which is...
0: So were the artists uh, warned at all or it just happened?
1: I think this one happened pretty... I, I think it was a surprise to to people there there may have been like a very short period of warning, but in some ways it's like what what what's what's the warning?
0: I don't know I mean, I know YouTube is also notorious for uh demodifying um content uh you know oh, content yeah. creators for whatever reason you know and well, and these rules guidelines rules they change too sometimes
1: we don't yeah. notice. Well, I, I think I think in this case they did give. I I don't know to what extent. I think that they did give many people the opportunity to put tracks back onto Spotify, probably with the metrics adjusted. Because mm-hmm. I I I think it prob. This probably was a pretty common phenomenon where somebody hires you know a publicist. The pub- They think the publicist legit. The publicist puts their music on fake websites. So they think they're getting reviews. Oh, here, I gotta make sure my battery's, okay. Um, They think they're getting reviews. They see their Spotify hits go up. So they think they're getting traffic. It turns out the traffic's not real. So I think this was happening quite a bit. So maybe people at Spotify were like, hey, you know, we got to give some of these people the benefit of the doubt and allow them, but, you know, at I, least yeah. the, the mass listing like served as like a warning to just be like, hey, stop doing this. And by the way, you know, at, at the very least, I hope it, uh, I hope that it exposed a number of people who were working as publicists. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: well, they'll just move on to a different industry where they could provide their services. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's. Just, I don't know. I don't know that so, exposing scammers necessarily do anything. They just move on to a different scam. You know,
1: that's that's fine though. At least it's not musicians. Musicians, they yeah. got they got they have so much to deal with. It's 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 so tough. Being, so tough being musician. Let's just give give them a little break.
0: Uh, well, no, I think I think um, me exposing that scam, I think educates the musicians that you know they should be more careful to not I hope so but but that's the only benefit that I could see because exposing this scammers it's not like they're gonna be arrested and you know or fined or, or anything
1: yeah I'm sure many of these people are international and sure yeah not you, you can't reach them you can't you can't get any money from them because they're just long gone Right. And then, of course, after the whole thing, after the whole thing, it's not like after it's over, then everything's fine. Because at the end, the artist is just like, oh, so I was never even remotely famous this right. whole time.
0: Right. <laughs> not only did you lose all the money to the publicist, you're not that your music is not that popular. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's just like one two punch.
1: Uh it's that terrible. That's brutal. I, I laugh I laugh at inappropriate things as, as a way of dealing with anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> um inappropriate
0: but... laughter. I I think I think that's healthy though. I mean, you know what? Like shit happens all the time. If you can't laugh at it, then what are you gonna do? You're gonna cry about it? You're gonna beat yourself over it? You know, yeah. Does it I I know, but that that's not Oh,
1: oh okay that's
0: not productive. What, what I mean. <laughs> Laughing about it is a healthier way to cope, I think. No? Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'll, i mean, I'll have to think about that. I my I mean my gut instinct yeah. is to say that laughter is like maybe like an immediate like physical you know, mm. distraction, but it's also an avoidance behavior.
0: You are right. Yes, that is true. Yeah. yeah. I I. so you're avoiding a lot of things right now because you are laughing a whole lot during this podcast.
1: I, I, do, I do inappropriate <laughs> laughter all the time. It's terrible. It's a me, reflection.
0: me with my psychology background. I just want to probe into why you're laughing.
1: <laughs> well, I, I guess, I guess I, I, I see situations and I do I do genuinely find them humorous. Yeah. Because it's uh what's there's this one I'm gonna I'm totally gonna butcher this, but there's this one Jewish phrase. Is it Jewish phrase? It's not Yiddish. I I don't know. There's this one Jewish saying that I know of. Uh-huh. It it goes along the following lines. Uh, man makes a plan, God laughs. Yeah,
0: and that, I've heard that.
1: That's it's a Well, at least for me, it's humorous. Yes. Um,
0: God certainly has a sense of sense of humor, if nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, th- that, I think
1: that that that's where my anxiety laughter comes from because I I do I do what makes me laugh is that I do see the absurdity of it. And mm. that's that's what makes me laugh.
0: Um, yeah, I, I find uh, y- you can find I, I feel like you can find humor in anything, even the most horrific tragedies. You know, you can find. let's not let's not test maybe, that maybe not. Yeah, OK, never mind. Maybe that's going a little too far. Yeah,
1: well, this, as soon as you say that to a philosopher, they're going to come up with the worst instance and be like, are you going to laugh? that is true um
0: okay maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll do an encore you you could come back and we'll have a philosophy discussion on on the most absurd things yeah. <laughs> yeah. we can do that um okay so you're uh i'm sort of mapping out your whole evolution here um, so you're trained as a classical violinist. You decide to give that up because of lifestyle, uh, and it seems like a lot of your decision is based on uh, lifestyle choices as well. Because you decide not to, um, you know, go beyond or or take your philosophy degree, your philosophy doctorate, in fact. And go into philosophy. Was it, whether it's teaching or something else because mm-hmm. of the limited choices that you may have in in terms of like cre- creating a lifestyle for yourself? So you decide right. to then go into law school because that will give you more choices in terms of where you can live, what you know, what kind of um, lifestyle you can have. Is that is yeah. that
1: right, about right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you, get, you gotta live. You gotta. Yeah.
0: You got to have a lifestyle. No, no. So so my observation was that that all those are very pragmatic decisions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So so you're not just an artist, you are also very practical. Uh, So at what point did you decide that you want to continue your music? So were you doing anything musically um, while you were in college and, and all the way through doctorate? Nope.
1: Picked up picked up songwriting and uh singing around the last 2 years of my graduate school work. Uh last
0: 2 years of your postgraduate or your graduate oh, masters or uh, PhD work. PhD okay. Yeah. So, uh so this is shortly before you decided to go to law school.
1: Yes, yeah. Yeah,
0: right. okay. So Okay. So you picked it up. Uh, yeah. So what made you decide to go into songwriting and singing?
1: Um, I mean, some of it was, I was dealing with nerves. I like presented at a philosophy conference and I was nervous. So I was like, well, you know, I did, I did like singing. I, I used to, I used to drive to work, you know, to like teach, um, Teach college students at o- at the Ohio State University, and so sort of going to work, I would always sing, sing to the radio. Mm-hmm. It was, except it was a little weird because like the rate, <laughs> the radio, the radio would play, and then you know the singer would sing, and then I would sing what the singer sang, except like after the singer, and that's how I would learn to sing.
0: Right. So you were I'm echoing. Just-
1: yeah, I would just yeah. like, I'll just try and like imitate what they're doing. So I was singing um, a lot in the car. And so I, I, I think, I think I decided that doing karaoke was a good way to mm. do that. Sort of moved from, started doing karaoke a lot, moved from karaoke to uh, performing, just going to jazz jam sessions. And because, you know, I knew my music theory and Uh, it was easy for me to sing jazz dance with jazz musicians because i could write out my own chord charts and give them to them i could sing in you know different keys um i could sight read music if they wanted me to so i was going to jazz jam sessions and doing that and then from there i started going to open mics um singing jazz standards, and then saw other people that were writing music, you know, writing their own songs. I was like, oh, well, I'll try and write my own songs. Mm. And then that's that's how that got started. Mm.
0: So so you really um, started this as a creative outlet more than anything else. So it's not like you had any intention to, oh, I'm going to be a singer songwriter.
1: Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I
0: a, wonder when that happened. Yeah, when did that happen?
1: I I don't know. I mean, I I guess there I guess I think the first few songs that I wrote weren't great. I mean, they were interesting, but not great. <laughs> um and I think well you you know it it may have been when i was singing jazz standards because here's the thing i'm 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 a great jazz singer i'm a great jazz singer because i'm a great classical musician and their approaches are as soloists are very very similar like you, you you listen to like a very good jazz musician Forget forget the the improvisation part. That's yes. right. Forgive the note improvisation part. Yes. In turning to phrasing um, the the posture of jazz musicians and classical musicians is very similar. So anyway, I I, I had at one time considered you know being part of like a, a small jazz
0: Small jazz band. And
1: performing at places and singing jazz standards. Like
0: in lounges, nightclubs, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I had thought about
1: doing that, but nobody would have me. Um,
0: I think, uh, except for Louis Armstrong, um, all the jazz vocalists I know or I've seen or heard were women.
1: There's tons of, there's tons of male jazzes. Like yep. Kurt Elling. <laughs> <laughs> and so, there's some other people, I'm sure. There, there actually, they're actually uh, was a guy in Columbus who's a moderately well-known male jazz singer. Hmm. I, can't, I can't remember. Well, I'm
0: name. sure, yeah, I'm sure there are. Uh, but I think... Um, I I don't know. I mean, would it be correct to say like the majority of jazz singers they tend to be women than men?
1: I think I think that would. I think the women are more popular. I'm guessing. Maybe yeah. I don't. I don't know.
0: They make good eye candy, certainly. I think to the general audience. I don't know. Somebody meant. Somebody commented, uh, one time that jazz the the jazz music field the uh, the audience or jazz fans they tend to be more men than women i don't know if that's oh. true yeah i think my guitarist actually said that sebastian I oh think, okay i think he said because uh, i was saying something about his audience and <laughs> he's like oh they're dude they're mostly dudes and I'm like really
1: yeah i mean i'm gonna have to ask him I, about that I, this is terrible when i when i think of like going to a party and hearing somebody be like, oh yeah, I like jazz.
3: Uh-huh.
1: My proto, my prototypical image is the person is just this white guy douche that's just like
0: I like jazz. What are you talking about?
1: I'm just I'm just saying that that's that's usually the person that says I like jazz like at like a cocktail party.
0: Oh, okay. Just
1: immediate immediate turnoff. It's just like, oh my god
0: guy oh okay so so people who are really into jazz they don't they don't go around proclaiming i like jazz at dinner parties
1: maybe that no but but it's maybe maybe your friend is right that maybe it is mostly guys that are like going to clubs and and my experience at cocktail parties is just um just a a manifestation of that Hmm. and also it (laughs) turns So they're all assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Additionally, what was, that wasn't implied by his statement, but just I'm adding on my own experience. Cause some because usually the people who say that, I mean, and I love I I love jazz. Like, and you know, it's it's something that I I have. Uh, I mean, I I have my own experience with it, but to, in my experience all the people who bring it up in 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 cocktail parties it's always it's always a line and it's always a line it's just like i'm cultured oh i (laughs) see i see that's that that's the context it's like i'm cultured yeah it's like it's like seeing dating profiles and the person just like oh you know i have very eclectic music tastes shut up (laughs) but I know, but it
0: can be true because I I feel like I I have an eclectic taste. Does
1: does every does every? It seems like everybody says that, and they all think it's their their particular line that's like, oh, I'm the, I'm the person that has eclectic. I don't know.
0: Well, I don't know. I think I I say it because I can't really choose. I would say if I have to choose, I would say it's uh, you know. It's the singer songwriter genre, mm-hmm. which is which is the genre that I you belong to that genre, too, I would say, mm-hmm. um, you know, I I particularly like singer songwriters. I, I like singers. I like musicians who write their own stuff. Do,
1: do, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say the, the, other, the other I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen dating. For a while, but yeah, the, the other the other funny variation on that was like, I have it. <laughs> I have eclectic music taste except no rap. Or I have eclectic music taste except no country. I'm just like
0: There's uh, some good country songs too. There's some good country (laughs) music. There's some good rap music. Yeah.
1: Although It, it, it just it just struck it just strikes me as just like an odd it's it a just very strikes me as an odd so it's like so you don't have eclectic music tastes because you're very specific about you're not listening to certain things
0: yeah the the word uh eclectic is an affectation um <laughs> yes yeah. yes that's all it is it's it's because it makes you sound good it makes you look yeah. good and so you just I'm, like sure I'm sure, slap it I'm on sure
1: it. they're not like oh it's Tuesday this is this is noise rock day like, <laughs> this, this, that's not what they're doing that's that's not what's happening
0: uh um, yeah but there's there's certainly genres of music that i t- don't particularly like you know um mm-hmm. uh, but if it's on the radio i mean i'll listen to it whatever it's fine um i mean I, I jokingly said uh on a different podcast like um that um uh grunge is is not oh we were talking about different decades and we got to the 90s and i said um and and um my guest was commenting how like that's that's part of our our generation and like no no i i will not claim grunge as part of my generation (laughs) my generation ends in the 80s uh no what but i was joking um but anyway yeah so how do we get into this uh, how you got started in songwriting, and then somehow we it morphed into you saying jazz. jazz.
1: We're talking
2: about
0: jazz. What was I saying? I don't know. Oh yes, jazz singer. Yes, 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 jazz singer. Oh, you said yeah, nobody. Yeah, yeah. You wanted to sing in a jazz band. But nobody would have you. And I commented, "Oh, are there male jazz singers? Because all the ones that I know are female." You know, but, yeah. I
1: will say I will say that's bullshit too. Because sure. I I was a good jazz singer, and people should have hired me. But I think, I mean, I I think I think what happened to jazz is what happened to classical, which is it's like, pe- people are worried about marketing.
0: Oh yes, yes,
1: And I, yeah. I'm like, look. It's wrong, but I'm not marketable as a jazz singer. You don't have the look. Yeah, the 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 only unnecessary thing about being a jazz singer.
0: Actually, that's true because I think, especially something like jazz,
1: um, you know, it's like it's like if somebody said to you, "Oh, you know, he's got a good voice for the radio." It's like, oh, wait, no, the voice is the thing that you need for radio. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've heard that phrase, right? I know. No, but no, no, um, no, sorry, sorry. The, ori- the original phrase is, um, is, he's got a good face for radio. Face for the for radio. radio. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right,
3: right, yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I was going to say jazz singers and flamenco dancers, you know, look shouldn't matter. It's really about the the art form
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, yeah but unfortunately well, why, why should,
1: i should be the face of, of, of jazz in columbus that, that's,
0: but, what, so the, here's interesting though so you go from singing jazz to eventually becoming a singer songwriter but you decide not to write jazz necessarily but you go into more folk indie folk uh, area
1: well, some of that is—it's really hard to perform a jazz ensemble with mm-hmm. all of the parts improvising at the same time if you're one person.
4: Oh,
0: okay. Oh, so you weren't interested in hiring a band because you know what? No, you, that's expensive. That—that that is true. But but that is one way to be the front man in a jazz band is you hire the band. Yeah. And they would do
1: it. You know, the other thing too, though, is that I. I guess I, I hadn't thought about this, but I, I guess because I had started singing karaoke and then did jazz jams where other people were doing the music for me,
3: mm-hmm.
1: for me to do stuff at open mic, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bring a band with me to sure. perform at open mic. So the easiest way to do things is i guess the way that i started doing them which was to just write an instrumental put it on to an mp3 player and then bring the mp3 player to an open mic and then perform that way so i guess that that ended up being how things turned out i guess things could have turned out with me hiring a band but
0: well no but not definitely not for open mics that that would be you know that would actually make you look ridiculous to bring a hired band to an open mic.
1: Yeah, it's happened before. <laughs> really? And by the way, it's the same people who say they like jazz at cocktail cocktail <laughs> events. It's like really like <laughs> you, you 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 felt you felt like you needed to have the applause. You felt like you needed to have the applause, and you were suspicious enough that. The existing the existing audience would not applaud, so you you brought you brought the band, and they, when they bring the band, they always bring like groupies with them. So like, it, so then so then you, the, the groupies were there. Oh no no I, I take I take all that back. the the other the other times where a band has come in where it's legitimate is where a band is touring. And they will drop in on the open mic to be like, "Hey, we're doing a show here tomorrow."
0: Yeah, that's different.
1: We're yeah. we're dropping by. You know, this is you know we're from another city. That's 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 legitimate.
0: Yeah, yeah, that would be the only time when it is. Yeah.
1: Um, the people yeah. coming in as a band. Oh my! The people coming in as a band and then like bringing their groupies with them. That's that's some some BS. I, I was at this one open mic in uh, at this one bar uh in in the city called the west it's in brooklyn Uh uh-huh and there was there were these guys that came in they were like doing like a small form band performance and the guy started singing this song which i never heard i was like oh hey that's a pretty good song like kind of fun lyrics um and i looked up the lyrics And it was some other unknown band and like definitely in another state, he was not the same person. And this guy, this guy, not only did he bring the groupies and the band in to perform, he was pretending that this was his own work and he was stealing the work of another unknown musician and passing it off, making him seem like he was, that was the ultimate like,
3: what?
0: See, I don't get that. Um, I mean, i I do get it. I do get why people do that, but but, as an artist, it's like to steal somebody else's work that that just kind of like, you know, like if it's not mine, like, then how could I just say that I'm an artist?
1: And, and well, and it's I would. I would at least see within the realm of like comprehensibility, like if somebody was doing it to like become famous somehow, right? So I would be like still still very wrong, but like I I understand like the logic. Yeah, I'm like this is an open mic. Like nobody cares here. Nobody cares. No, nobody cares. and, And you're gonna you're gonna steal this other singer songwriter stuff. And then pass it off as your own. I but mean, ma-
0: plenty of people do covers in open mics too, so like it doesn't really matter, you know.
1: Um, I yeah, don't know. But people will say it's a cover, right? Exactly. But, you know, That's what you're I mean. Not gonna, you're not going to be like, and here's my here's my new song. It's called "Creep" by Radiohead, <laughs> that I wrote like nobody people know the song like that's (laughs) not (laughs) fooling anybody but that that's what made this so sinister is that he intentionally took like what he thought was a really obscure song Mm -hmm. that some writer in some other state you know far away had written and I guess he thought that nobody would look it up or maybe he thought that the other artist hadn't printed the lyrics out on the Internet because I, so, I just Googled yeah. them.
0: I know. So here's a lesson to all the musicians. If you're listening is, you know, if you have songs, make it available on the Internet somewhere like, you know, put your lyrics out there. So if somebody steals your work, there's your
1: proof. Well, I mean, what's the what's the other guy going to say? What do you He's- mean? So so this other writer who's let's say he's in Arkansas. I let's say let's say I call him up and I'm like, "Hey, there's this guy at this open mic who's singing your song except he's not you." And he's like, "Well, do I get any money out of it?" No. <laughs> right. Like, "Oh, well, right. I but mean, he sounds like an asshole, but
0: somebody's stealing his work." Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah
1: uh um, i mean i what i should have done is i should have just been i should have like <laughs> i should have like <laughs> moved around to several places and we got it to be like
2: that's not your song hey is he stealing somebody's song
1: you
0: know or 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 just recorded and then put it out there on social media <laughs> no nah. yeah you know what yeah all that kind of calling out and, and all that stuff it's kind of stupid but whatever. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I, I kinda believe like you reap what you sow, so if this is his MO and he goes around stealing other people's stuff, I, I doubt he's gonna get very far. And even if he does, it's gonna come back to bite him some you know, somehow. So so that, anyway, that's that's sort of
3: my <laughs> consolation.
0: <laughs> Maybe he's gonna die. <laughs> I Maybe COVID got him. I don't know. Oh, that's terrible. That's such a terrible thing to
1: say. Too soon. We're not. It's not even over.
0: We I. I know. I know. Terrible. Talk about inappropriate. But you know, we could laugh about it, right? No. No. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Going back to you. Um. Let's see. So you started. Um so at some point as you were singing jazz you decided um I'm gonna write start writing my own stuff. Yeah. Um, and this, this is like a couple of years before you finish your doctorate.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. And then which then you continue. Um yeah. yeah.
1: Well I I think at that point, like I had written a number of songs which I have a few of them which I've since released but I think I I had gotten enough encouragement from uh, some people and I think I, I was writing stuff that that at least from my understanding I was like hey like I'm I'm writing good work that I could do some interesting stuff with that I think I think people would be interested in and I think at that time I had um I had become acquainted with uh, uh, one of the people who runs a label, which is the, the label that I'm on now, Anyway Records. Um, I'd become acquainted with the manager for that um, and was like, hey, you know, like I, people are responding well. And they seem to be respond. You know, there's there's always the like, you know, bring your family and friends out to uh, like a show, and you know, they'll clap no matter what. But I was I was getting what I. It, it sounded like people were genuinely responding in a positive way to the stuff that I was doing, and so I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to continue doing this. Um, I think at the time, I also. I, I think I also understood that in. Like American music, there just aren't that many Asian American singer-songwriters.
0: Yeah, there's um, more now, but yeah,
1: yeah, there's 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 some more now, but even as a percentage, it's vanishingly small. Mm. Um, and um, so, it it was something that i i was I was interested in doing, and I think. I think by that time I had written like a number of things that I was like, you know what? Like I feel like I I, I think in, in the way that I understood like my violin playing as being like I was a good violinist and I saw and understood the artistic merit of what I was doing. I think I started to see that in my songwriting. And so it was something that I wanted to continue pursuing because it it was it was a very fulfilling act for me to write music
0: yeah no Um, that definitely yeah so what's your process like so do you decide like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna write a new album now or is it that you write a bunch of songs and then you compile them into an album
1: or i i just write a bunch of songs and then we'll see if you know how they may form together Mm -hmm. i mean like i i still have i'm sure at least 50 songs that are unreleased that may make their way onto a record um so
0: 50 completed songs
1: yeah okay yeah yeah yeah. i mean i i think i have had 120 not all those are are great (laughs) some of those are definitely not fantastic but um there's a lot of work there and you know whether something will go on an album I don't really I don't necessarily think about that sort of when I'm writing um I'm doing that a little bit more now but even now the way that that works is all fine, like a group of songs that I think fit into some theme that I find to be particularly interesting um, or maybe something that I don't see, I don't see other songwriters really writing about. And so it gives me an opportunity to be like, hey, I can put together an album in this theme that, um, speaks to something unique that might have like a good place in um in in the marketplace and that I think mm-hmm. people would be interested to hear about but and and then from there you know I, I might start to try and write a few things to try and like fill out the record um so it's a, it it can be a combination of both mm-hmm. the intentional and unintentional stuff but I mean, like a lot of songs, I'll I'll just kind of, I think I'll just be walking around, you know, like I'll be hit with, like, so, sometimes, especially when I'm walking, I'll be yeah. walking and I'll like have like a melody pop into my head and like some lyrics and be like, okay, I'll have to, I'll have to write that down. <laughs> sometimes I don't write it down and it's just lost forever. But, oh, um,
0: I hate that. I hate when that happens.
1: Yeah, so it's good to get like a sound
0: recorder or some notation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you have your phone on you all the time. I mean, you know, people in general these days. So, yeah. So I have like little bits of voice recordings. Yeah, a ton of them. And then I listen to it later. and I'm like, oh, this is crap. At the time, (laughs) at the time it sounded. I was like, this is a brilliant phrasing, brilliant idea. And then uh, right. I listen to it later and it's like, oh, whatever. But then, you know.
1: Keep I, it I'll, because. Oh, of so, course. Some, yeah, sometimes I've, I have, I've done the same thing where I thought, oh, this is crap. And then like a week later, I'd be like, oh, oh, okay. I think yeah. I, I think I see what I was going for.
0: Yeah. One uh, of the songs I'm working on my second album. I'm still on, only on, only on my second album, but anyway. <laughs> You, you know how many
2: people haven't even,
1: like, written one? <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but um, the the music for that song, I wrote back in 2012. I uh, had no idea for the lyrics. I just wrote the music, and I was like, okay, I'll, I guess this will become a full song at some point. And then it mm-hmm. wasn't until, um, what was it, early last year, shortly before COVID hit, Um I put the lyrics to it. Oh, no, no, actually, it was late 2018. Mm-hmm. No, when was COVID? 2020
1: 2020, March, mid March 2020. We're okay. almost we're almost at one year.
0: Yeah. So it was late 2019. That's when I finished the song. So so yeah, no, I don't, definitely don't throw anything away. Even if you yeah. think it's crap. Yeah, because it may turn into something later
1: yeah you you may end up taking it in a different direction i've had i've had a lot of songs where i thought it would go one way didn't work out and just kind of did some problem solving and was like oh well now this is a song about this yeah this is this is what i've done with the b section something completely different but you know
0: yeah
1: i mean some so much songwriting is problem solving Mm because you have something you have something you have one part that sounds nice and you're like well how do i fill out the song well here's here's one try oh that sucks what was wrong with it well i didn't like that it was x it's like okay well here's another thing that's not x is that better it's like oh oh okay this works but i still don't like this about it and then you kind of go through and you figure it out and sometimes you'll be stuck in a In a situation where you're like well but i could i could do x which would be good to kind of fill out the song or i could do y and not i don't know which one i want to do because they both seem like they have some advantages and disadvantages and so you have to make choices and then that's
0: how much of that process do you think in your case is uh more on the technical merits as opposed to sort of like the
1: emotion part of it Oh, it's all the emotions part. I don't really. I mean, d- there there isn't there isn't really like a technical. I mean, what what matters in the end is like how how it feels sort of when you listen to it, or at least mm. the the impressions that you get from listening to it. And that the, the technical stuff on its own isn't going to solve that. With, uh, so, it's. I mean, that's why you, you need to write it and then record it, see, see how you feel when you listen to it, then be like, oh, I mean, you know, there's a technical aspect that can help you to try and like, you know, um, figure out problem solving. But, you know, the, those are just like rules of thumb that are wrong, like half the time. Yeah. So, you know, you can try them out, but like, maybe it doesn't work or, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, well, because I'm not trained, um, I don't really know music theory and stuff. And so like sometimes as all of my songwriting, music writing is intuitive. Uh, so I'll write something and, you know, doesn't sound right. (laughs) Or I don't know why. Or or it sounds fine to me, and then I'll take it to Jody, my producer, and he'll be like, oh, that's an interesting phrasing because, you know, he's trained and he's looking at it from a trained uh, point of view and like, I, that's an unusual phrasing. But, you know, but it somehow works, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I actually like it when that happens. Um, yeah, because it become it makes the song have idiosyncratic elements to it.
1: Yeah. yeah well you know and i i will say the the one the one thing that music theory is good for is just if you i i think i think it's kind of like doing things automatically
3: mm-hmm. i think
1: in general you will find that there are certain patterns that you run into that you kind of do just generally. Cause like you're a person and everybody has like their patterns that they go through. Yeah. And I think the one thing that music theory or having some additional training can help with is that if you are doing something like that is like your go-to that you keep doing, if you have music theory, it's easier for you to become aware of, the patterns that you fall into.
0: Ah, yes.
1: Understanding the patterns that you fall into helps to give you some freedom in being able to choose to do otherwise.
0: That is a that's a very good point, actually. Um, But I, I would say you could probably become aware of those patterns that you fall into over time, even if you don't know the particular
1: music theories. Like if you're,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that
1: can be the case, but it it certainly can help get you there a lot faster. Sure. Yeah. Having, having some kind of, you know, and again, it doesn't need to be any particular music theory. It's just developing a language for like analyzing what you're doing. Sometimes it, it, it can help give you some, um, some some freedom as a writer, but I I don't right. think it's I I don't think it's that, But I mean that that's why you go to your producer sometimes to to get feedback that, yeah. of of that sort.
0: Yeah, there's there's actually two two of my songs. Uh, they sound very different. They're in different keys, t- different tempos, different emotion. Uh, but it wasn't until I later analyzed it that the first couple of. Uh, bars, the melody is exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, a, well, there you go. It, it, you know, there, because they were in different keys, I didn't notice it. Uh-huh. But if I if I put both songs in the same key, it's the exact same notes in the first couple of bars of the of the uh, the melody.
1: Well, you know, sometimes sometimes that's that's called a motif. So maybe maybe <laughs> maybe you're not repetitive. You're just introducing like an extended motif that goes into. Um, that 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 I will say, you know, joking aside, like that that can that can be an interesting thing. I have I have a few motifs in 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 uh, in my records that, if you're listening carefully enough, you'll be like, oh, he put that melody in like in a different like inverted way in this other song. Mm.
0: You have, you do have a very unique style of, uh, of singing, your vocalization. The way, the first time I heard you, uh, perform, um, I felt or heard, uh, you know, like a thread of the old Korean folk singing style. And I don't know, Ah, yeah.
1: That's interesting. Right? No, (laughs) do you, I can see that.
0: Yeah.
3: A little yeah, bit. I
1: mean, be, because it's it's very loud, <laughs> right? Um, it's very it's very loud and meant to project. So there is that. I, but I, you, you also do
0: a lot of the. I, I don't know if you would call it uh, the verb Not not. It's not a verbato. Uh It's but you do you do interesting things with your vocals, especially uh-huh. as you like the way the way you. There's like end arpeggiating. Each- Yes, yes, arpeggiating okay. and stuff, and through throughout your phrasing, um,
1: yeah. Oh, that's that's interesting. I I do I do have a a, a funny story. Is so um, I had my one violin teacher from Juilliard, and and the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music. Um, he randomly, I don't know how he heard about it, um, but he. He must visit New York City every once in a while. Uh, But he came to one of my shows. I was totally, like, surprised. and was like, oh, my gosh. Hi. So you didn't invite him. He just kind of looked you up. (laughs) That's amazing. He looked me up and came to my show. The the sound apparently was too loud with him because he had his hands over his ears (laughs) for most of it. I mean, he could still hear because it was, I guess, so loud. Although pianos is such, they, they crank the volume up so much there but uh, anyway th- the comment that he made was that he said that my vibrato which a lot of people will be like oh you know it sounds so full you know um, and they'll, they'll trace the origins there but he said that my vibrato was he recognized my vibrato from when I was playing the violin ah
0: interesting
1: and I was like that is interesting. I mean, and I, I had. I mean, I I think every violinist has like a distinctive approach in terms of vibrato and so the way that they approach notes. But he was like he 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 recognized it from then. Hmm. And I was like, that's very perceptive. Um, and I think probably yeah, no, I think that's about right.
0: Yeah, you know, I could see that. So yes, especially like the ends of each phrasing where you do that. Um but i think the the korean folk singing i think maybe comes more the sort of the beginning of each phrase um, i think there's a
1: there's a there's a shouty aspect to it right
0: well it's not just well the korean folk singing i don't know if, if people are listening if you are familiar with korean folk singing but um i uh, i mean it's more of a wail than a shout i think <laughs> kind of okay. like a kind of like a widow's yeah. widow's whale kind of thing yeah yes. i know what
1: you're talking about yeah yeah so
0: <laughs> if, you're, if you're from the italian you know uh culture like the you know italian funeral widow's whale kind of i'm not saying it sounds like that there's a, there's a sort of an element of that or or um gay i think it's maybe in the gaelic culture there are these like um uh Maybe Gaelic songs also have a little bit of that too. I think.
1: Well, you know, a lot of a lot of those songs, like it's it's people expressing something. Person, they're they're storytelling and expressing yeah. something, even if it's not personally about themselves. They're presenting it as like, in in the first person. And I I guess I guess there's an aspect of I mean there there is I I am, I am a folk singer songwriter. Yeah. I am. Definitely. (laughs) And so I I can see it. I can see it fitting within within that. I'm going to have to I'm going to have to take a listen again at some point. I have I haven't heard Korean folk singing in
0: a while. Well, well, I guess maybe that's just my point of reference, you know, because I (laughs) I've never quite heard anyone vocalize the way you do. I mean, when you when you say it.
1: Yeah. it, It it. it pings on something in my brain. So I th- I think you're you're saying something that that has a, a fair element of truth to it.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you're Korean, uh, by yes. ethnicity. Uh, were you born here in the US?
1: Yes. Okay. So Ameri-
0: Wow, okay. American born Korean. So, how much of Korean culture were you exposed to growing up? Because uh, Missouri and Iowa, these are not the kind of places where it's like
1: you know full of Korean. well, so, but they were college towns, and that's where some Korean people in the Midwest mm. tend to be okay. around. So college towns and Korean churches. So I mean, I would say a medium amount. Yeah, <laughs> like many many kids in the Midwest, um, they their parents will send them to like a Korean school over the summer. Where you hang out with other Korean kids, learn Korean, and eat Korean food,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and probably go to Korean church, mm-hmm. and I think that's 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 about it. Uh, but then yeah. you know, like my 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 mom cooked Korean food regularly, so like I under, I understand my my sense of Korean taste um, in food from my mom's cooking uh and in fact i went. i can't remember the name of it was it called white tiger there's a korean restaurant in brooklyn that i went to where they had this one dish it was uh it was it, it was like a, a non-spicy you know a right
0: yeah ddeokboki yeah so this
1: was this was like a non-spicy version of it but it had the the cylinder rice cakes yeah with some other stuff and <laughs> and um like my my understanding of like korean especially like korean mom cooking is that like you'll you'll cook um vegetables but like i think i think a very american style of cooking is that like you want to sear and brown everything and like develop right. like a pond. <laughs> but when i had there were like some onions and like some vegetables in that dish where it's like they didn't they didn't brown them they cooked them and they they still had like a a crunch a crunch and kind of just like there there was there was um there was a juiciness to it that was mm. like and and it wasn't it wasn't browned in that typical like american way that i was like oh yeah i <laughs> i remember that
0: yeah um i i noticed that difference when my mother does stir fry and when i do stir fry I tend to brown things so you don't end up with like, you know, very soupy stir fry. She doesn't.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay. so so I guess um, you're. But so it's the Korean culture, though, that's expressed by Korean immigrants. So it's not like um, you were like exposed to a lot of Korean culture like did you come in contact with like recent immigrants uh, a lot or were other Koreans that you grew up with ha- are similar to you, where they you know grew up here, basically.
1: Uh I would, I would say grew up here, because I, I think I think many of the other Korean kids that I knew. Yeah, our parents went to, like, Korean church, or they were um, people who worked in, like, a university setting, Mm. so, like, they would have kids who I knew, Um, yeah, not, I
2: don't think,
1: I mean, it's very specific because, like, people, people, people don't really travel to the Midwest like, unless it's for certain reasons. Right. And so, like, for many Korean people, like, they go to a place in the Midwest because they're like, oh, I'm going to teach there. or right. So, like, my dad ended up there because uh, he was doing uh, teaching economics. And that's how he ended up. And I think many of the people will go to graduate school or so go to school there. And that's how they end up there. So you end up with people who are there for particular types of reasons. Mm-hmm. Not just, you know, no, nobody's... Nobody who is from a foreign country is gonna say, I'm going to move to the middle of the Midwest for no reason, you know, for the you know, for the, the absence of quality fun, of life fun things going on.
0: <laughs> Raise a family, quiet nice, quiet prairie life. <laughs> yeah. No? I don't know. I'm just I, I don't know I've only lived in New York well in the. US I, I was born in Korea uh, but in the. US I've only lived in New York so I don't really I've visited plenty of places but uh, um,
1: yeah I mean I, I I can see I can see well but even then like I, I don't think it's gonna leap to mind to like go to the middle of Iowa. Sure yeah you know I no. That, I totally get it. it's very random. Yeah. Uh, i mean not not that like look i could i could see i could see like if if uh, if i started a family some sometime down down the line um sorry i don't know what's happening with um if i start a family sometime down the line like having that be a place to raise kids i think that would be mm. a good thing mm. yeah i don't know um, um, but not to, not to hang out. Like I, I, I went, I, I enjoyed Ames, Iowa as like a great place growing up. I mean, but then I was a kid.
0: Right. Right.
1: And I thought, Oh, you know, there's plenty of fun things to do. Like, you know, you can go to a coffee shop or yeah. like maybe like after school, you can hang out at the Taco Bell, but that's not, that's not a thing anymore. I went, I went back and I was like, Oh my God. Like I, I can, I could not live here, it would, it would be, it would be difficult.
0: Um, so, well, I, I was particularly interested in your, the, the Korean culture around you, because a lot of your songs make references to, uh, Korean culture, um, in some way, I think, um, actually, I think one of your albums is called something like that, right? Uh, 10 Korean hymns or something.
1: Uh, the ten hymns from my American Gothic, but it does have a number of songs that center around Korea. Right. I mean, and I, I think that record has more. That one is is more thematically about Korea. Um, the the other ones aren't as much, but there's still there there will still be little bits and pieces that end up, just as a matter of, um, just as a matter of. Um, Just me talking about myself, it it will end up it will end up there. You know, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna intentionally try and keep it out, right? And I'm not gonna, you know, I have a record where it was intentionally part of a lot of the the songs, but if I'm not intentionally putting it in, you know, I'm not gonna intentionally keep it out, and so some of it's naturally gonna sort of seep through.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, have you visited Korea? Uh, not since 1988. But you have. um, Yeah. For how long? Uh,
1: I think it was about a month. 1988. That was during the Olympics? Yes. We actually went the month before the Olympics. And then we came back home and then we, we watched the Olympics on TV in uh, I mean, I guess it was probably it would it would have been a lot more expensive to go. The next That's right.
0: Yeah, I was to go. gonna say. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Actually, I was. Um, so we left my family. We left Korea when I was eight, and uh, all the other members of my family they they've gone back to visit. I'm the only mm-hmm. one who still haven't not gone back yet. It's been forty five years.
1: <laughs> oh well, you, I mean, you you've yeah. been there so. I mean, I, oh, I, I, I think was I born will, there. Yeah, I, th- I think I will probably go back at some time, but mm-hmm. I just don't like I just have a lot of things going on.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not,
1: it's not really like an immediate priority. You know, I'm assuming like the sun, like it will be there tomorrow. So it's no no reason for me to uh, to try and uh, uh, take care of that now.
0: Um. I was going to say. Um, so, in terms of subject matters in your songs, um, mm-hmm. um, I, I guess the way I hear your songs, it feels like uh, each song is like a little vignette. Uh, they're like little stories. Um, like, different from, I think, my style. Um, I didn't realize this, but Jody, my producer, he when we were working on the first album he he recognized that oh your songs are more like conversations and you know once he said that i'm like yeah i guess they are like i'm talking to someone sure. um and sometimes that someone is myself but you know but i'm usually talking to and that that's and i think it, that's part of my writing process too i think when as i'm writing it i'm thinking about someone or you know as if i'm talking to them and you know i think that's how it comes across but I think in your case I think they are stories like each each uh, song is a story in itself there's like a whole there's a lot in there actually um, I yeah. think yeah and, um, and some of it I think um, like um, would you say a lot of it is but some of the songs are definitely you could tell you're talking about yourself or it's it's autobiographical um, and some songs are more sort of social commentary type of um, yeah
1: well I think I think even then I think they're all autobiographical. Mm-hmm. So, some of them I think the they're less obviously autobiographical, but I think I'm trying to think of any social commentary ones that are
0: um well, like the song that you shared. Actually, let's listen to that. This is probably a good time to segue. <laughs> yeah. So, you sent me a link. Um share sound. Uh.
2: Station wagon, cardboard childhood. Then gotta turn the AC to the Raptors. Boy, gotta turn the heater down to the floor. We never had real nice things then. Yeah, happy down clothes and big jar of peanut butter. She grew up in a war zone then, with their army base to and her rations in tins. Hey. Your Christmas shopping at the discount store and imagination birthday holiday You gotta study every day Maybe be a doctor Gotta bring home the bacon to your wife We never got Eric Jordans back then, yeah Homemade fast food Burgers on white bread She says it's better than the real thing, yeah But I know it's not the real thing She knows, I know You gotta save every penny and dime You gotta save every minute and hour it all off in the summer yeah frozen can orange juice powder lemonade and margarine tastes like butter we never had a real nice car then yeah box car lumina dotson in the old days she says it's better than the real thing boy but i know it's not the real thing i know she knows you gotta save every penny in. A bunch of whiskey and a bulk supplier Got a houndstooth suit at the factory store Got the display model at the supermart. Got the bruise box discount vegetables She's got a coupon book for the end of time Got a three kids yelling in the backseat now She says it's better than the real thing, boy But I know it's not the real thing she knows I know you gotta save every penny and dime You gotta save every minute and hour
0: I'm on mute okay so yeah that that there's a lot going on there there's
1: uh so well
2: yeah well, I was gonna say so
1: the the song itself isn't uh the, the song itself isn't political or at least it, it wasn't intended to be that was just me talking about growing up uh because we yeah I mean a lot of the a lot of those are real anecdotes <laughs> um but i think i think in the context when i decided to make the video um like the the like the 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 democratic socialists like that is a movement that does focus on things like um like people that are scraping by and trying to make sure that ends meet and i think that's an experience that a lot of people especially now sort of have to go through. So like it, it did end up in a way intersecting with a political theme that was the, the subject of the video. But yeah.
3: Yeah, well,
0: um, maybe your song isn't political necessarily. Uh, I would say there's, you know a tinge of social commentary there at least. I mean, you know, you use the word like revolutionary and, and things like that. So it does conjure up certain you know, imagery and feelings, you know, mm-hmm. when people are listening. So, um, otherwise you would just be. Oh, although would...
1: at the time though, that, that, that was an ironic, that was an ironic use of revolutionary. It I was see. just, I was, I was just being like, you have, you have to be a revolutionary to really just like, you got to like put the time in to just make sure that you make money and like save money um, and be sort of, resourceful or ingenious about doing that and you know come up coming up with your own solutions to try and deal with shit um and yeah i mean that it was it was meant more as, a, as an ironic right. comment but then i guess i reappropriated that in a non ironic um sense for the video yeah. to make it more literal
0: well, no, uh, but even even in the ironic sense, uh, I still feel like it, it is a kind of a social commentary that you got to do all those things, and you know, even as an ironic uh, revolutionary, you know, like that itself, mm-hmm. like doing all those things itself is a is a revolutionary act, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's how you yeah, yeah yeah yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, so where do you get your? Uh, your ideas your inspiration you know like when do you decide like oh this could make a good song
1: I think it's just a matter of I, I mean I guess it's just a you know you sort of walk around and like the hooks will sort of come and whatnot but it's just a matter of is 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 it is it is it writing or commenting about something that is, um, that is like an interesting, an interesting story or an interesting like angle at something that sort of people don't necessarily write about? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. I I mean, I I think that that song's a little bit, I mean, I guess that there are songs that are written about sort of the idea of, of going through broadly sort of having less than for some period of time right but i mean i think um i think the the angle of the entire record was to take sort of more common themes in the indie um in the indie sphere and sort of breathing some new life into them sort of writing about things in a more vivid way um being a little more, having a little bit more ingenuity with the lyrics. Um, And I I think that was the intent, was to take take a more traditional topic, which I think in the indie pop is just along the lines of, um, uh, we're young and everything's amazing. (laughs) Um, Or... I'm in love with this person, and it's amazing. I mean, I think that's you. Those are two. I mean, that that's the the reason for the name of the record. <laughs> Which what is the name? What? of What? No, because no, the, so the name of the record is <laughs> shit, I can't I remember it? Ten Fables of. Uh, oh, your record. Yeah, yeah. Young ambition and passionate. Young ambition and passionate love. Yes. So, in, indie pop records. Th- those are just. Those are two very common things.
0: Ah, Okay, okay. Now I get your title. Yes.
1: Yeah, so this, but... this 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 song this song fits into the young ambition category. Yeah. It's a little bit different because it's not really it's not it's not really talking about like, you know,
2: I'm 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 young and I'm gonna make it.
1: You know, that's that's I think a typical like yeah. young twenty something feeling.
2: So are you writing
0: those things? So that that's the record that does, does... Just dropped recently, right? What was it
1: last? Uh, no, year? no, that was in two
0: thousand eighteen. Oh, was it? Yeah. That long well, What's the record that dropped recently?
1: It's 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 not dropping until about oh, okay th- until this summer.
0: Okay, two thousand eighteen seems recent to me because like <laughs> I think I think it's co- the- COVID. No, no, it's not that. The, the older I get, the sort of the time references, they all sort of meld together in my mind, mm-hmm. things that happened like 10 years ago seemed like it happened yesterday. And something mm-hmm. that happened yesterday actually felt like 10 years ago. It's like it's all it's like a time warp here in my head. <laughs> but yes. anyway, uh, so 2018, you yeah, have very interesting titles, by the way, uh, and very long titles. And um, well, they're,
1: they're, they're very they're very literal. Because that, yes. that, that song is about young ambition, except instead of being, I'm going to make it. It's more about like, uh, growing up, things are difficult and we will manage to get through. But these are the things that you need to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. So are you writing them more from your perspective now, looking back, or are you going back to how you felt back then? there's a bit of a nuance there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I think, well, I think it's now looking back, but just trying to re- remember as much as I can. Cause th- th- I mean, a lot of those are, are specific aned- anecdotes that I remember, but sure. yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, even if grammatically it may be presented as like me speaking from that point of view, like it's still sort of me reflecting back on, on things.
0: That That's right. That's right. Yes, that is true. I mean, because, you know, as
1: a child, I'm not going to think about it as being like uh, like the economic context of, you know, like, uh, like working for the boss and stuff. That's not stuff that I would really understand back then
0: right right you wouldn't think in those terms necessarily yeah 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 um uh, yeah. uh, so so you're currently working on an album yes Do you, is there a title for the album yet
1: there is but i uh, I, I'm I'm holding off on too many specifics okay. <laughs> until the there... uh, until there's a formal album release, which will be happening soonish. Okay, yeah. uh, like in the next few months, soon. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I, I, I we we may be hearing something next month, but in order to 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 plan like a proper album release, like You've got to, like, schedule things in advance and figure out how to, to put things out. Um, so,
0: yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Because, like, the album that I released, I released it independently. You know, I just, like, you know, pushed it out there through CD Baby. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I didn't go through a label or anything. So what is that process like?
2: Well, so I would say so
1: the the release process is kind of independent of, like, you, you can go through a release process process independent of an independent of label Um, in fact you know i i think even if you release an album on your own like there's still a lot of things that you can do to kind of like move things along in a direction to help get you more um more exposure for it but like for me um at least right now now the planning process is like up to Now, now it's, I think it's at, at least six months ahead of the release date mm-hmm. is like when I have the the record is fully mastered. Um, and then six months out from at least six months out from that date is when I, uh, is when I will plan to have the release. I mean, in this record, like from the date that I finished it, it may end up being like nine 10 months since the the time that I had it mastered that it's coming out. But that's because uh, I have a few sort of um, additional relationships and whatnot that are involved in the release of the record that make it a bit more um, complicated. Um, But yeah, at least six months, and you know, you've got to plan out videos, release materials got to figure out like if you 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 can work with a publicist even if you don't have a label although you know generally people should really figure out what they're really doing with their music if they want to hire a publicist to do that and also yeah. as we were suggesting before kind of make sure that like if you do work with a publicist that you don't work with a scam publicist so there's a lot of there's a lot of things that you have to to watch out for but um know, figuring out work with a publicist, um, identifying outlets, sort of trying to figure out like, uh, whenever you, whenever you present a record, you know, to the world, you usually need some narrative posture that you're giving them. Um, So like, for the second record, like, the, the narrative posture was that this is a record about um, Korea and immigration and sort of my interaction with my family. And so that set up the narrative posture that we give to the press. And the, the, it allows sort of writers to sort of think about like how they will write about the record when you give it to them. The last record was really about the idea of taking these sort of these traditional indie themes and kind of reworking them in a different style to give them like additional life. So that was, that was kind of the posture for that. This next director is going to be, it's going to be a lot about religion and sort of the, the movement of like religious people away from the church and also sort of thinking about sort of queerness and sort of being gay and sort of the intersection of that with spirituality and religion like that's really the the narrative posture of the record and we'll we'll see how that that works it's going to be a definitely different i mean i i feel like all my records come out of left field in some sense and that it's i'm I'm trying to i'm trying to give something that's like a genuinely new point of view Mm -hmm to just be like, here, here's something I'm giving you. And hopefully it'll give you a lot to, to think about. So we'll see what happens with that.
0: Yeah, so, so in advance of your record release, there, your, um, your publicist is reaching out to media outlets and you're also producing videos. So will the videos be released uh, on the same day or in advance of your record dropping?
1: They're always released in advance. Oh, because, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, no, no, no this, is, this, is, this is good. Because what, what? well, traditionally, although things are changing, like, by the year, traditionally, you release videos as a premiere, uh, which um, gives a preview to what's going to be on the record, like an early taste, so if it gets publicized, people will be like, oh, Hey, I heard this song over here. This sounds pretty good. Like, I'll wait for uh when the record comes out, which the date should be on the premiere. It's like, oh, the record's coming out on this date. I'll remember that. <laughs> so that when the so that's why you do you do those other releases ahead of time to kind of prime uh geez, Uh to prime things for um uh for when priming writers for when the 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 album comes out um yeah that that's uh one one of the main that's one of the main things and i'll I'll tell you you're definitely not alone like this is i get questions about this all the time the the worst case is when i'll get questions from people so asking about how to publicize the record like the week after the record's been released
0: right that's that and i'll be like
1: it's it's too late it's it's already released they they don't need to go to an outlet to find out about the record they can just listen to it on spotify right too late right it's
0: um i think that's the one piece that a lot of people uh don't really think about way in advance um i was involved in a film project many years ago and and the same thing it was a short film and um and you know you should be thinking about marketing as you are filming it Uh, and and thinking about in addition to filming the main piece but also doing like behind the scenes footage and this and that interviews, different things and, and all that stuff. So by the time the film is done uh, and ready to release that you have a lot of these things put in place to promote. Um, I, I, yeah. I would imagine that's the same thing with record releases too. Well, the,
1: the film thing sounds even more complicated because I can at least make yeah. the video whole cloth after the record is complete you can't you can't do the making of the film like it's like oh the film's done now let's turn to the making of the film it's like no you <laughs> don't work have that. we don't have a time machine we can't it's too late
0: doesn't work that way yeah so yeah so i actually when i go to um Jody's studio to record stuff uh, but i haven't since you know the lockdown started but um I, I've been taking, you know, footage of those recording sessions to maybe like use down the road, you know, for marketing or or, or just ancillary material just to put it on my YouTube or something. Um, so, OK, so you have music videos uh, and then you have um, media outlets talking about your album in advance of the release. Right. Yes. Yeah in advance of the release With the release date and all that stuff So what other events do you like schedule Around your release
1: I mean any events you can get Oh okay I mean because The, the, the you, how, how do I say this oh, like, but- wri- writers, writers Music writers Are not Starved for like you know, like, opportunities to, like, write about musicians, they're just, they're just slammed with them. They <laughs> got so many people, it's like, requesting them to write about anything and everything. And so any, you know, any request that I could try and make, you know, to get some publicity for a record, you know, there's, there's it's definitely not a guarantee. And in many cases, there's a very low probability that I will even get a response back. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of like just coming up with ideas to try and, you know, pitch someplace to write about something. And, um, and then if they bite, then it's, that's something to plan for. Um, or, you know, if you're, if you're working with the publicist, the publicist will be doing a lot of that work, um, uh, to, you know, to try and find, and, you know, look, there's a lot of great publicists too, and they're all pitching writers asking about stuff and say, you know, the writers is just, they, they got to pick and choose, um, and so it's it's really just a matter of, you know, I will do what I can get <laughs> for publicity.
0: So do you do, like, album release shows?
1: I mean, I, I have. I did do an album release show for, I guess, all the last three records. Um, I don't perform live as much. I mean, especially during COVID. But even before that, I wasn't performing live that much
0: oh i went to one of them the 2018 album that's yeah you you oh. performed in brooklyn
1: right yes. Yes,
0: yes 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 i went to that one wow that was that was in 2018 okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> and i and you know i i don't i don't do that much performing i i mean i i don't i don't understand I, I think a lot of stuff that's happening online with marketing and publicity, I think a lot of it, it's, it's starting to put into question sort of what the, what, what, what the, what the marketing value is of doing live shows. I think, I think it's important to perform live, you know, especially at the very least, you know, to just like keep, you know, keep everything like running and making sure like, you know, you can still do a live show at the very least. Um, but I mean, I I I know I know a lot of bands that they will perform like several shows in a month, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, why? Like, what are you getting out of that?
0: I think um, they enjoy it. I think uh, there is there is something about performing in front of a live audience that's there is yeah.
1: But um, especially when when the expectation for a lot of live performance is that the performer is going to bring a lot of the audience. Right. I, I, I think, I think there's a point. Well, not only that, are they bringing audience they're They're going to a venue and like taking up space and saying, we are going to occupy this space for this period of time. I think, I think at a certain point there's, there's a question about like, what what what's the value of doing that because if if i'm if i'm going and i'm saying hey you know like i'm going to take up this bar on a wednesday night and do a show um one nobody could show up and i like tell the bar it's like
2: ah sorry
1: you got no money tonight (laughs) or two like i'm talking to all of my friends and being like hey just like a small ask, could you like come to these regularly scheduled events that I have designed for my own benefit? Right, right. Where I'm I'm asking you to like buy your own drinks like right. every two weeks, can you please do that? Well, that's, <laughs> that's a lot a, actually. It's,
0: it's, I, it's a big ask. I think it works if you have a large fan base already in the different markets where you're performing. Yeah. Yeah because then I, I, what you're doing think, is fan service right because they want to see you
1: yeah i think i think that the number of bands that are performing that frequently i don't think that lines up with sure. that concept no no right is I, I think there are issues and and i think i think beyond that like there there's there's i mean i guess from the venue's perspective it may not matter the, the difference but you know, there, there's a difference between... There are bands that I know that, like, they can set up shows and there will be, like, genuine fans coming out, you know, to to show, You know, hopefully that's what people want in the end to happen. Fans will come out to the show and, like, buy drinks and sort of do, do whatnot. But I think there's other times where it's just like, oh, this is just like a group of... This is just like a group of people who know one another. Where I guess they they can be fans... But it's not necessarily the same thing. Like I, I have some, I have mm-hmm. some friends from law school that would like do shows every once in a while. But it was just like, oh, they brought their family and friends out. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, that's that's fine. But <laughs> that, now, that's more like me. <laughs> well, but in, in 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 some ways, like that, that's not what people ultimately like for people that are trying to become like a public facing musician right the goal in the end is to sort of get you know beyond that yeah Yeah. otherwise you know like uh, having a private event like that that's a thing that people can do but it's it's it becomes more of a private event as opposed to what some people who are performing like twice a month are intending they're intending like the thought process and i know this because i've talked to these people the thought process that they're going to keep performing out and like they're going to keep getting exposure and eventually you know like forward a year like oh they'll have a big audience that's coming out to everything all the time right
0: that i think that works if the venue itself has uh you know a big like return customers like something like the bitter end you know, which is it's a old New York rock uh, music institution where I don't know about now, but back in the day, anyone who's anyone has gone through, um, you know, that venue, you know, when they're starting out. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: and uh, so that venue itself, like, you know, hey, you want to go hear some live music? Like, OK. I mean, I used to go there all, all, all the time for a while, you know, mm-hmm. just because I like checking out who who's you know like I would have no idea who's playing I'll just go and and have come across some very interesting and talented people as a result in fact um, there was one one show I went specifically to see one band but I got there early and saw the band that uh, that performed before them and I ended up becoming more a more loyal follower to the band that I happened to catch because I went there early, Um, you know, then, uh, and I can't even remember the other band anymore that I went to see in the first place, (laughs) I know. (laughs) But, um, But yeah, so I think a venue that has, you know, people just coming and checking things out, I think it can work, but I don't know how many of those places actually exist anymore. Not many. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Same thing like open mics, too. Like, I missed the... Well, I didn't do open mics for that long. I only did it for a few months. Like, this is early 2000s uh, when, when I was first starting to write songs. But there was a huge... Uh, a pretty good range of... and different types of open mic uh, venues back then. Uh, now, they're, it's really hard to find. I think they're all all in Brooklyn now.
2: There's there's a few
1: that are in Manhattan. Like I know. they're I mean, the sidewalk right, yeah. Sure.
0: Uh,
1: are they closed. they're not doing it anymore, right? So it's it there's there was a portion that moved to a bar called it wasn't called Grand Torino. That's the name of a Clint Eastwood movie. <laughs> but it's called something similar to that. Uh, and yeah. I don't know what happened after that. Um it was uh kathy vivaldi closed they closed a while ago yeah that group though um did move over to another bar called cowgirl Hmm. in which is in the west the west west village west ish um Although I, I think it isn't as much of a regular thing as because both of those used to be like a weekly thing. Right. Uh, there's the under Saint Mark's Theater, which is more East East Village, and that one I don't know what's happened with that. Although that that one was also there was a little bit uh, slightly different crowd because I think it also incorporated some of the off Broadway crowd. I'm guessing. And Brooklyn, I mean,
3: yeah, a lot of open mics these...
1: in general are closing, so.
3: Yeah,
0: I don't know. I, I just have a very fond memory of open mics back when I did it. And, you know, you go to enough of them, you kind of see the same people, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you kind of, like, develop friendships and stuff, you know. But, um, yeah, even back then, Sidewalk sidewalk Cafe was a much more serious of an open mic than some of the other open mics i mean you you have some open mics where like these dive bars and like you know it was great though because the atmosphere is like really friendly and very laid back
1: yeah sidewalk was i mean i mean i i i like that the the crowd there was a lot more accepting of things that were not straightforward guitar singer songwriter folk stuff but it was it was a little pressury.
0: Yeah. Like the people there. there were a little more serious. Yeah. 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 Um, and what I also didn't like about it is the way they did it back when I went. Um, like you would you would sign up and then the guy would write your names in little pieces of paper. Yep. And uh, no, 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 actually, no, he wouldn't do that. He would uh, write numbers in little pieces of paper and he would randomly pick out numbers, one in each hand and ask you to pick. You pick one and then that's the number you went up, which is terrible because like I remember one time I got there right at the beginning of when the sign up started, Mm -hmm. which was like right after work, I didn't go up until like after midnight. I was like twelve thirty. So I had to sit there for six hours. Yeah, and it was it was a little brutal, yeah. And yeah, then, and then you don't get home until like three a.m. and you have to get back to work at night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it was fun. Yeah, it was fun.
1: Because initially, when I was in law school, so going through the uh, sidewalk was uh, sometimes you know performing at like one a.m. or two a.m. Yeah, it was a lot. Sort of having to then try and wake up to go to law school. Yeah,
0: yeah. Next morning but um so yeah okay so you can't give me any specific information about your uh album your upcoming album oh so
1: thematically sort of uh you know what the record's about
0: sure yeah um okay so yeah i guess we'll find out right <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we'll find out when it drops yes um so um where uh The music videos I know I had asked you this before on social media. Uh, I know you were working on some music videos like where will they be posted will it be on your YouTube channel or somewhere else. Uh,
1: Well, they will uh, be post, they will most immediately be posted at the outlet that I do the premiere with okay. Uh, So generally. Uh, yeah, no, I think I think they'll be on YouTube. Although they will be on a different YouTube channel than my current one. I don't know. We may we may cross post them in both places. I'll have to ask about that. But um, yeah, I think they'll be available on YouTube. And then you know when I mean who knows how <laughs> who knows how publicity works during COVID. But you know, let's say I get a premiere at some place that website will be the place that you initially go to to see the music video. Okay, all right, cool. Okay. I, I've, I, got, I've got a whole bunch of them. I've got f- f- at least five of them. I may do some more. Only a few of those will be released before the record because I don't want to premiere half the record before <laughs> I release it. Um, but, uh, We'll we'll see what happens with that.
0: And when you when you produce records, these are physical records. Are, are you doing vinyl again?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so these vinyl, are like traditionally I'll do vinyl with every release.
0: Oh, with every release you've done vinyl. Mm-hmm. Oh, OK. Yeah. yeah. Very retro. Uh, no, <laughs> well, I... I mean, that
1: that's gener- in 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 like the indie sphere, like most of the indie labels of some repute they will have a vinyl release along with that but i mean partly because they there's a fairly sizable audience of listeners that like to listen to vinyl and like to collect um, mm-hmm. in that form so um,
0: um right vinyl as opposed to cds and yeah i CDs think these are i think cds are say vinyls are come making a comeback cds are disappearing now like yeah. people who would buy a CD would just download music or yep. or have a subscription. Yep. Uh, but vinyl is is something very sentimental that people you know people get very sentimental about.
2: Well, yeah. and you
1: know you you have to make a little bit more choice about what you collect in that format. So you're really only going to collect the stuff that you're like this is mm. the special thing that I will collect this this record over here.
0: I may need to collect all your albums now. I don't even have a turntable.
1: <laughs> but... so, uh, I'll, I'll tell you the uh, I, I just replaced our turntable. So we had I had an older one uh, from Pyle, which was having some speed issues, and I replaced it with um, uh, one from Audio Technica that is solid, solid, solid brand. And um, they you can you can get them for like you can get a high-quality record player for a hundred bucks and it's fun
0: oh yeah Um, I think my issue is more like space where to put it I live in a tiny apartment but um, anyway sorry I was I had to put myself on mute because it was a a siren going by Um, (laughs) (laughs) you know the perks of living in New York City. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Cool. So, um, yeah. Do you want to uh, uh, like announce like where people can find you?
1: Where are you? Oh, I mean, just just look up uh, Saint Lennox S T dot L E N O X. One just, N. One N. Just look it up anywhere. Like it's on I'm on Google, YouTube, Spotify, Apple people people like these days they'll be like oh you're on spotify it's like yeah like you like anybody can literally just pay like how much is like DistroKid kid and cd baby it's like
0: cd baby it wasn't that much it was it was like maybe under 200 it was like depending on how wide a distribution you wanted what type of distribution you wanted uh-huh. it, but it was very affordable it was like 150 100 yeah so something ed- like that. anybody anybody
1: can put a record on anywhere like it's not and i'm mm-hmm. like um yeah, yeah. so anyway and- it's, a, it's it's a band i there there will be there is stuff on band so that's another place you can get um uh my music um but I have I have a fair amount of press you can look up any reviews and whatnot uh, on there as well.
0: Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this was fun. Yeah, I found a lot about you. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, you should definitely come back and we could talk about other things like philosophy and, you know, politics. You're actually very quite somewhat political as well. Right. Or you have political opinions, definitely. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm right now trying in the, in the midst of trying to figure out what my politics is. Like, I think I, I'm fairly politically agnostic.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Yeah. And um, and partly, it's partly intentional, too, because um, I hate that our society is so polarized politically that I feel like I need to, like, I I don't want to side on any particular, uh, you know, camp necessarily. Like, you know, being politically loyal, I feel like it's kind of ridiculous. Like, there are issues that, you know like i'd rather you know speak on issues and discuss issues as opposed to like i'm on this side you know and like we're not monoliths you know um but anyway whatever sorry my little yeah but but yeah we could definitely talk about that because apparently there's i don't know i don't know that like you said earlier like um people get really personal and offended Yeah. Well, you think more so about music than
1: about politics. (laughs) Well, I mean, I will say the difference is that in politics, like if I don't like a piece of music, nobody dies.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But politics has has actual physical dire life and death kind of ramifications sometimes. Yeah, Um, usually, usually even. Usually, yeah, I don't know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah.
0: Uh, But anyway, anyway, it was so much fun talking to you. Thank you yes. so much for being uh, on on my podcast. Uh, I have no idea how many people will actually listen. <laughs> I'm, hey. I'm 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 trying. I have a I have a total of five subscribers on my YouTube channel. <laughs> I'm trying to trying to get to the uh, my first hurdle is get to one hundred, so I could get a unique uh url and i think after that yeah oh. yeah because they huh. give you this garbled like you know mishmash letter oh, number oh. things i yeah. have a
1: unique url
0: you have more than 100 subscribers then
1: i
2: do
0: yeah huh yeah so i, I thought need... I... <laughs> okay so i need 95 95 more subscribers so i could get a unique url oh question yeah, yeah.
1: Have you
0: made beer cake? Yes. You know what? I totally, um, I don't know why, but this date, uh, sort of crept up on me. Like the whole of March kind of crept up on me for some reason. Like it doesn't, doesn't feel like March yet. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I have made beer cake and I have, uh, sent to some of my guests, um, especially local ones. And since you're local, it's e- easier to send to you. Uh, so maybe the next time you're on, I'll send you a beer cake and we could eat it on air. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but yeah, beer cake is an actual thing. Um, and it's a cake that uh, it's the first cake that I learned how to make. Um, mm-hmm. And there's some uh, so The story behind it is I always thought that it was my aunt who started making it and taught the rest of us. But as it turns out, after speaking to my uh, my sisters and my cousins, that it was our grandmother who started making it and then taught it to my aunt. And then maybe maybe my aunt taught it to me. I don't know. But anyway, but it originated with her. Um, But and also, I always thought that there was a story behind it, that my aunt went to a restaurant and she ordered this cake, she liked it so much, she asked for the recipe and it turned out to be beer cake and she brought it home the recipe and started making it. I told the story to my family, nobody remembers this, so... <laughs> so either I made it up, or I dreamt it, or... I don't know. Or my aunt told me this story in secret and didn't tell anyone else.
1: It would be it would be really difficult for you to dream up a, a recipe for a cake that actually tasted good.
0: Oh, no, no, not the recipe. Dream the story. <laughs> oh, okay. the, the story behind the recipe.
1: <laughs> OK, because a dream recipe probably will no. end up tasting terrible. <laughs> no.
0: But too much, um, too much flour. Yeah. Oh, you know what? That was another thing that we could have talked about. Maybe next time uh, is your cooking. So you're like what? Like um, a culinary chef level cook?
1: Or... No, 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 no. I'm I'm a, I'm a pretty good home cook.
0: But you do some amazing stuff, you know, I think. Yeah. Anyway, you're very versatile, <laughs> very talented and, and on so many different levels. Um, but okay, anyway, I think this is for the third time. Thank you so much. Uh, and thanks everyone for listening. Please tune in. Uh, you could get my uh, Get Beer Cake podcast on anchor.fm, Spotify. I'm now on Apple and a bunch of other outlets. Um, and you could um, follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and YouTube. And please subscribe. I need 95 more subscribers on YouTube so I could get my unique URL. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much, uh, Andrew, St. Lennox, and tune in next time.